Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And I thought we were going to have a Whitecaps victory to chat about. I thought we were going to be really cock-a-hoop. It all went pear-shaped, though, and we've got another draw to talk about tonight, but more stoppage time points dropped. We're going to be chatting Whitecaps, we're going to be chatting MLS, the big news of the week around the league. We're going to be talking a little bit of Canadian Premier League as well, so you don't need me to say. It's a packed show, as always. But we will be starting it off the way that we start off all these shows these days. The gift that keeps on giving Steve Panders 2019, or 2020 actually, Christmas gifts to ourselves. It was a 2011 Upper Deck MLS trading card pack box. We've been opening a pack a week. I'm kind of disappointed because over the last two weeks, my packs have produced 11 doubles. Zach's young helper, Kirk, is laughing at that. Just wait until Zach gets all these doubles, or needs the doubles that I have. But anyway, we'll rattle through the pack tonight, because we've got a lot to talk about. So, let's get our packs open. Okay, let's see what we've got. I will kick things off. He's a goalkeeper. Seems to be an awful lot of goalkeepers I get. He's from, funnily enough, FC Dallas, very appropriately for tonight. It's Kevin Hartman. Well, I I also start off with an FC Dallas player. It's the man uh, who I think was yeah I think it was Jonathan Leathers broke his ankle at Empire Field. David Ferreira. Is that his? Is that his son in the in the current Dallas team? I think so. Oh, I think, I think it might be. Time. Yeah, interesting. Oh, you, you guys didn't hear all the times it was mentioned on the broadcast. Oh, I, I oh no! I had the I had the sign down for most I, of it I on only, the broadcast. I only had it on for like a little bit, but you can only take so much of that. Yeah. Well, I we're moving to a sounder now, and I might have him. I'm not too sure, or it might be another Alvaro. It's a midfielder, Alvaro Fernandez. Oh, I think I got him last time. I don't think you have. Oh, him. maybe that's where I got the name from. I have. Uh, a club we're going to talk about, I know, at least a little bit tonight, uh, Toronto FC. 
It's uh, I'm mostly right back from what I remember. Dan Gargan. Yeah, well, funnily enough, I've got a card from a club that we're going to be talking about tonight, Toronto FC. It's a midfielder, Nick LaBrocca. I got that one. Ooh. I got a WPS Super Draft card. Oh. Sinead Farrelly from the Someone Independence. Oh. I can't read that. It's so small. She, she's no Alex Morgan. Well, I'm going back to Seattle. I can't, border's not open yet, but hopefully one day I'll go back to Seattle. And it's another goalkeeper. It's a legend. It's Casey Keller. <laughs> when, when you say that, all I can think of is the horrible PDX chant for it. <laughs> <laughs> do yeah. you remember it? Yeah, I do. Let's, yeah, okay, let's, not, let's, let's not go into that, John. You, you've I don't got think, your young helper here. I don't think they'd, they'd sing that in 2021, I don't think. Um, There's a lot of things that have been sung over the years. I don't think we'd get sung in 2021. Yeah, I was having a conversation about that recently. Um, <laughs> I have a current midfielder from Nashville. Uh, I saw him play in the U20 tournament in 2007 here, hosted in Canada. It's DC United's Dax McCarty wearing his FC Dallas kit. Oh, well, from Columbus Crew, midfielder forward... Robbie Rogers. Oh, yeah. He ended in LA, right? Did he end his, his yes. time in LA? Didn't he finish as like a defender, though? Uh, he was like a fullback, yeah. Because down here is midfielder forward. Midfielder. Um, my next card only needs one word. Boom. Oh. Okay, Joe, Joe Cannon. Cannon. Joe Cannon, baby. I think well, my last card needs more card. than one word. He is a legend from Major League Soccer. He could replace Brian Ching up front for me. It's Kai Kamara. Oh! I wish I had that card. I'm going to call it now. I'm putting Kamara in for Ching. Obvious choice. Yeah, that's a good one. I have the worst card in my deck. It's Dead Bull's Tim Ream. Oh, I think I have that one as well. Yeah. He's a dream, is good old Tim Ream. So not bad. Actually, not like an interesting back. Yeah. And makes it exciting. Well, it's nice to not have doubles by the looks of it t- tonight for me, so I can actually stick some of them away. Thank you, Kirk, for, for joining us as always. And of course, thank you to Steve for the gift that keeps on giving. And I am proclaiming this now to everyone. I've told the guys in the WhatsApp chat, I've actually purchased half of the guy's Christmas presents for this year to guarantee that I actually get their Christmas presents before Christmas. I might be using guarantee a little bit strongly because these are coming from China again, but they've been bought on eBay, so I've got PayPal protection. So no matter what, I will get my money back and hopefully you will get the gifts. I liked it so much, I bought myself one as well. So I I don't like you guys to have something I've not. Anyway, let's move on to the football part of tonight's show because we are going to kick off part one with a look at the Whitecaps and FC Dallas. Now, when I was putting the rundown together for this, I thought we've got a lot to talk about because we're going to be talking Ali Adnan with the Whitecaps. We're going to be talking Chris Armis's departure. We're going to be talking CPL and I've got a lot of chats I've been having with some of the coaches from uh, around the league as well. And I thought, well, we'll just make this this first part a little bit brief. We won't go too much into the game. And for part of it, I mean, there, there wasn't tons to talk about for a big chunk of the second half, but there, there is a bit to talk about. We'll, we'll go through it as, as 
quickly as possible, but basically, Whitecaps left Dallas on Sunday evening with a point, two-all draw, and, and Steve, if you'd said to me a couple of weeks ago, look, they're going to go into Seattle and get a point, they're going to go into Dallas and get a point, I'd have been happy, but I'm quite disappointed because it was a good performance in Seattle, and they couldn't hold on, Dallas into stoppage time, and they couldn't hold on, it T- tonight especially, it, it feels like a loss and like points lost and dropped as opposed to a point gained. Yeah, um, like without knowing, if you just give me the results a couple of weeks ago without knowing how it unfolded, I would say, yeah, good results uh, going in there. But both games, even the Seattle one, I, I feel like you, we, that feels like a loss too, even though they are a superior team. Uh, because when you're up, you need to be able to shut the other op- opposition down, no matter yeah. how good they are. Um, and the fact that even today, even though it was, you know, FC Dallas put everything on the pitch. They made so many substitutions, just put everything forward to get that point. Unfortunately, it was one of our substitutions that led to the uh, <laughs> credit for that tying goal. Um, but, yeah, you, it does feel disappointing because... It, it, you know, everything was expected to be on the platter for them for the full three points. Yeah, it it's a real tough one tonight. Because, I mean, th- th- this was a, a huge game, Zach, potentially, in the grand scheme of things. I know we're early into the season. We're about a third of the way through now. But it's a basement battle. It's the team right above you in the standings. It's a, a game that if you'd come a, out of this with a win... You'd be four points off the playoff places. Now you're six points and you're two points adrift at the bottom of the table. It, it feels like we talked last week about mentally. That was a great mental boost for the team. This feels like one, Zach, that I, I don't know what this does to the team mentally. Yeah, I agree with what you guys have been saying in terms of a couple of weeks ago. If you say you're picking up points, uh, these road games in Seattle and Dallas, it would sound encouraging and positive. But the way that that's happened is, yeah, it's been like soul crushing. It's been really, really difficult, uh, I think, for the players, for the coaches. Um, Mark continued to talk about ghosts tonight. And, yeah, it's it's demoralizing. And so what what could have been positives like feel like negatives and depending on <laughs> on how you how you read re- people's reactions there's obviously some ex- people were taking it as extremely negative um yeah. but here's the, here's the thing it's made worse one of the things that makes both the, both these games worse is in particular the Dallas match worse is the fact that you're now losing two of your top players two of your mm-hmm. almost like you could say irreplaceable players in, yep. in the, the guy that scored tonight and the guy that kept a lot of goals out of the, the back of the net tonight. Yeah. So the, the, they made a difference tonight in that, in that game and they're not going to be here for, they're not going to be with the team for a while. Yeah. So it, 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 Kava kind of, even longer because he got yes. another booking tonight we'll, and we'll, has got himself suspended now. We'll, we'll come to that later. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, heading into this one, you're, you're going into Dallas, and it's it's not been a happy hunting ground for the Whitecaps. They've only ever had one win down there, which was that stunning 4-0 victory from a, a few years back now. But in all, just five points taken from 10 games down there. I 
normally wouldn't be hopeful, but with Dallas's struggles up until last week, I thought, yeah, this is a this is a game we could go in and get something. And then they played so well against New England that I thought all ten of their points this season had come from home games. They were unbeaten at home this season. Fifteen games, like un, undefeated uh, in Frisco now for for Dallas. So they, they they've got a fortress there. And a point is, is in the grand scheme of things, as as Steve said, if you didn't know how everything played out, you, you feel good about it. There was one change made for the Whitecaps in this one. Javain Brown came in at right back, which meant Gianni Bikel could go back into the middle. Michael Baldissimo was out with a, an injury. Picking up all these little niggling injuries, Baldy, which is, is concerning. And I, I do think that the team missed him tonight. Andy Rose said afterwards that he felt that was a, a a big factor in the midfield was that they they'd lost the the ability that Baldy has to to kind of ease a little bit of the the pressure on the defence with some of the balls that he can play. But I mean, early on, a couple of Dallas chances, a couple of big saves from Max Crepeau, including a fantastic double one, Steve from from Pepe that I think is going to be right up there for for save of the season come the the end of the year. Yeah, Whitecaps wise, sure. anyway. Uh, good. Yeah, no, uh, Crepo was huge. Uh, uh, beginning of the game, in the middle, at the end there, um, kept him ahead for most of the game, and then kept him with that point, saved him a point as well in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I mean, Zach, that that was a, a crucial save, and it was like one of many for, from Max tonight that, that kind of kept the team in the game. But that, that double stop from a guy that's so dangerous just now... It, you thought, oh, that could that could be huge in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, like I messaged you guys during the game, it was like the, I think the best anyone's seen of Max Kripo since 2019. It, it was reminiscent of the triple save that he's so famous for yes. at BC Place. And you're right, it was on Pepe, who we kind of briefly talked about before the game of like he is going to be a threat. Like, yeah, you know, he's he's going to be a, a superstar if he keeps this up. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you think there's big things in store for him? But, yeah. It's interesting. Like Dallas is always a, a team that brings through a lot of homegrowns. It, it's they, they've done this for for years now, and they've sold them on. They're basically what the Whitecaps want to do: bring these guys on, make them have an impact in the league, perform, help the team do well, and then sell them on. Whitecaps have struggled to to get to that. But I, w- I was just thinking, watching Pepe tonight on the back of some of his recent performances. You've got him as a homegrown coming in, doing great up, up front for Dallas. You've got Cade Cowell at San Jose. The Whitecaps, we, we've had these strikers that's come through over the years that we had high hopes for and they've never made it. Even going back to like Caleb Clark, Theo Bear hasn't maybe hit the height, heights that we were hoping for. Uh, and you just wish that we could find that guy that could come through and be that that difference maker doesn't have to be a forward could be a winger could be an influential midfielder there's always been guys that's tantalizingly looked that they could be that steve but we've kind of just never had obviously fonzie it, it is an exception so i mean I'm, yeah. I'm taking him out of it but like i'm talking about the other guys there's just never been that guy that's that's been the guy that we want it to be and we and the the Whitecaps tend to lose those players in that you know eighteen when they when they're eighteen to twenty one, either they're not getting enough playing time with the first team, or um, they like in like one of the players I'm not sure I can't remember if he just mentioned them or not Brody uh, Hutema um, went to Duke uh, 
look like he was going to be the next striker for not only for uh, the Whitecaps, but Canada as well. And it ended up being that, you know, concussions played a part. It ended his career prematurely. Um, and, and it's just like that. It's that little bit of finish that everybody's lacking. Uh, they're, they're not able to elevate. They show they can score at the lower levels, but then when they get to the higher levels, it just doesn't that it doesn't translate. And that's where it's missing in that 17 to 21 age mm. range. They lose, they lose that step or they don't gain that step at the next level. I mean, it's what every club wants, Zach. You want to have that striker that can be clinical. If he's a homegrown guy, all the better. Like even going back to the Euros, that, that, that was Scotland's big issue. We created so many chances. We created the most chances in that group, but we just had no one that could put it away. Uh, and that's big white cats issue for years. They do create chances. They just need a finisher. And if you yeah. can get a homegrown guy, all the better. Scotland needed to work on their finishing from half. I think if they just worked on that a little more, they might have been okay. Um, or maybe defending from half, whatever. Yes. Um, Making sure the keepers stay in the line, yeah. Uh, you, no, you're right. And and there there have been, and you've mentioned a bunch of them now, there have been a number of exciting young strikers who have come through the Whitecap system that haven't been able to make that final, final leap up for a variety of reasons. Uh, I think, I mean if you want to talk about residency and the issues there, that's obviously a bigger conversation. I think that I don't understand one of the things I've never uh, recently, actually I've heard some rationale for it that maybe I won't go into now, but the, the, the inability to make that jump from playing at age level uh, and, and, and playing quite dominantly at, at uh, different groups of them at age level to not being able to get in the first team, and one of the things we kept on hearing was, oh, they're sort of entitled or their attitude is wrong. And I think one of the things that's unfortunate is that the Whitecaps organization created the attitude, created the culture that produced those that attitude. And so whenever coaches or other people would critique that, it was like they were critiquing what the organization in and of itself created. Whether It's a lot better now because a lot of the young guys that come through, they have got better heads on their shoulders. They're not like big, then- Billy Big Boots and... Yeah, but the thing is, sometimes you want to cultivate that attitude and focus it on the pitch. Well, instead yeah, of, if, you, if you can then channel that, like I'm, I'm the standout I, like, guy. I'm, not, I'm not comparing the players that were at the residency to these players, but like I'm like Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm sure he had a big head when he was 16, 17, yeah. 18. But they were able to focus it on the pitch and get him to uh, uh, turn that attitude into success. Mm-hmm. And that's where sometimes you need to do that. My understanding is that the way they intentionally the 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 attitudes that they intentionally fostered were what we heard everyone complain about later, mm. and so it wasn't the right balance. There wasn't enough humbleness. There wasn't enough. It it, it, it turned into this entitlement. This this overconfidence turned into entitlement. And I think yeah, you're, I think they are course correcting that now, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully for them it it, it works out, but. The talent, you're, 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 the the conversation about the talent is a is a massive, is a yeah. massive. But thing. it's also a big jump to be go from youth football to adult football, mm-hmm. and you need you need to get minutes. You need to be playing, and guys like Kyle and Pepe, they they've been given this opportunity, and like credit to them, they have taken it. Kyle got a goal this weekend. Pepe scored the the opener. I mean, you, you knew it was going to be coming because he looked dangerous in those opening minutes. 22 minutes in, he ran in between Godoy and Andy Rose, got on the end of a, a Jesus Ferreira cross, 
And I mean, we've heard Zach go on and on and on about a big fan of being Jesus and stuff. So, I mean, getting to see him in action, delivering that cross. I heard he wasn't a big fan of crosses, but great cross in from Jesus there. Headed home and it was 1-0 Dallas. I think you're wrong about the significance of the cross, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> my, my religious knowledge is maybe not the the, the best. I, I think that's fair to say. But big question on this goal, and Max kind of addressed it himself afterwards. He should have done better than that, shouldn't he? He should have got a stronger hand up. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I would have also liked to see an attempt from Andy Rose to try to get at the ball. Like he seemed to just be a, a spectator in watching the ball go by him, instead of yes. like uh, making a motion to it. That's like I felt like there was enough time um, for him to do something, at least make an attempt on it. So I, I do feel I agree with the the fact that Max should have been stronger to the ball as well. Did did, did Max say in the post game he's like yeah I don't even want to talk about the first goal because it was I felt so bad about it. Is that sort of what he said? Well, basically he he. he... I I'd wished him well for the the gold cup, and I said good good performance. I mean, how do you feel you're playing just now, heading off into this? And he's like, do you know what? I can't. All I can think about is that first goal. Oh, yeah, okay. So he can't even think about going to play for Canada. He's just haunted by knowing that he should have done better on that first goal. And like the thing is, Max has had a bit of criticism from some parties this year, which I think's been very unfair. It's just guys that want to see the young homegrown Thomas Asal get get his chance. Max's been excellent for us this year. Every keeper's going to have the odd mistake here and there, and you can look at goals and go, oh, he should have done better, he should have stopped that one. But he's he's been big for us this year. Yeah, I think I think that criticism is probably on... Like, I, I agree with you that it's, people got excited over Thomas Asal. The thing is, Thomas Asal is not even the second... On the second on the list right now, I, I believe is isn't it Evan Newton second well, on the list? Like genuinely, I would put yeah. Newton in on Wednesday. I don't think putting a young keeper like Thomas Asal in when the club's going through what they're going through just now. I I'd rather have Newton in goal. I've got to say. Yeah, but I, I feel like I I don't think that's a reason why because I think Asal had showed enough in 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 times last year because they were going through a lot of stuff last year and I thought he performed very well last year as well. So yeah, I'm not sure where they where they feel they, they sit on the on the depth chart because mm. it's hard to tell because both of them are usually dressed uh, for the games. To, uh, yes, and, and, and MDS mentioned why, so it makes a lot of sense of yeah, why. Yeah, because we do. have wondered that we've never asked it. It's if, mm. and if anyone didn't hear MDS, we'll play a bit from him, but we won't be playing this bit. He was asked why do you have two goalkeepers on the bench, and in short, for away games they do that because if say Max woke up sick. And then they only had one keeper, and then something yeah. happened that that keeper gets injured or gets sent off. Then they've got no keepers. So because they I think to ensure that they've got three keepers. Because I don't, I don't know if MDS mentioned this, but I believe they do have a limited people they could travel with. Like in the past, yes. they could bring that extra player in there, the third goalkeeper with yeah. them, even though they know he's not going to be in the roster. Yeah, I, I think it's it's being, pre- it's like maybe too much precautions, but at the same time, it makes sense. Because you've got a couple of extra subs that you wouldn't normally have with everything that's going on just now anyway. But yeah, it was 1-0 to to Dallas at at 22nd minute mark. I'll be honest, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble now. Dallas are going to just go on, bang a few goals in. Yeah, I was thinking we have to wait another 23 minutes before the Whitecaps even have a chance to score. (laughs) Yes, because no first half goals. That's been the thing. Initially, it was no goals from open play. They got that monkey off their back. Then they were left with the other monkey of no first half goals. Well, they made up for it tonight. 
two goals in the first half. First one on the half-hour mark, Lucas Cavallini. Dahomey sent across into the box. Brissan messed up massively. Ball yeah. just broke into the path of Cava. Lovely little touch he took to the side to make room. Fired at home. 1-1. I felt very muted celebrations, though, by Cava. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he. The, what I was thinking about on that goal was you have the tank, and the tank chose not to spa- smash it in first time, and instead, like a nice armored vehicle, just went around the player and put it in very nicely. But it was a gift. Like, and oh, I think I think I think they Dolan said on the broadcast, it was a it was a gift. But you, you got to receive a gift, and and Cava did, and good on him, and. Like you, he showed his coolness in front of that because I think you might have seen other white caps or white caps in the past snatch at that first mm-hmm. time and it get blocked. Whereas Kava had the calmness and the coolness to just go around and take the touch, put it in, no problem. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's why he gets I, all the big bucks. Yes, yes, that is why exactly why. And with his right foot too, which was also nice to see. Yeah. It was nice to to see him get another goal before he heads off to Canada as well. Did pick up a booking later on that's going to get him suspended. Okay, a couple. Can we talk about that for a moment? Yeah. The, okay. First off, Kava, absolutely ridiculous. Like what a, a, a not like a, a horrible thing to do. Like what? Like just check your head. And I can understand maybe saying, okay, not every referee does this. Okay. However, he then became a role model for two of his other teammates who did apparently the exact same thing later in the game and also got booked for it. It was it was shocking. I'm sure the coaches are going to have a word because it was so bad. On top of that, a rule that I think is awful, uh, that he, he his games away with the national team don't count, uh, I know we've talked about this a long, long time ago. I, I think that's, I think it's ridiculous. I know it makes sense. You should be eligible for the game and then have to miss it. But I don't think it used to be like that, or at least in some leagues, it used to not be like that. It, and it's, 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 it's the leagues that I followed. It's always been that, that, that rule. All they should say is, oh, he was, he was actually going to play against RSL. He was going to join the camp late, but oh, he's going to have to miss that one now from suspension. So we'll just let you have him early. They could have been a little bit like clever and try to do something like that. I'm but, sure others have tried that before. Yeah, it was it was stupid by him, and yeah. it's not the first stupid booking that he's had from this accumulation either. That's the frustrating thing. Yeah. He's got to rein this in, and he he could possibly even have got a, a second yellow in the second half because he gave a little shove on the Dallas guy for no reason at all, really. And some refs would would book him for that. So I mean, he he walks a fine line. I like. A little bit of aggression. Well, I like a lot of aggression in players. But you've got to be clever. But at the same time, you can't just pick... If you're going to be an aggressive player, you can't then pick up cheap bookings. And it's just... Yeah, it's frustrating. But before that booking, uh, the Whitecaps had taken the lead. Andy Rose. And it was another defensive error, really. Justin Che, long ball forward... He was lucky not to head it into his own net. He headed it narrowly wide. 
pretty sure that's what he was aiming for. I don't think he was trying to head it back to, to Jimmy Maurer, but it gave the, the Whitecaps a very, very late in the in stoppage time corner. Uh, Caicedo, great corner in. Andy Rose rises to meet it, in off the ground, into the top corner. Dallas, no defenders on the post. If I was a Dallas fan, I'd be a bit pissed off by that. Not sure the defender would have got to it, though, the way it, it did bounce it and go up. I've watched it a couple of times, and I don't know how Andy Rose wasn't called for a foul, because his hands are on the shoulders of, I think, Hollingshead. And I was like, oh, I think he's maybe got away with one there. Yeah, I think he was a bit fortunate. Andy Rose, uh, and as this conversation continues throughout the game, you'll see he's at the most, the the some of the most positive moments of the match, and central to most some of the most negative moments of the match. Yeah, which, which... and it was a it was a great goal from him. It was a straw. He met it well. A great ball in from Caicedo. But yeah, there was a, a a couple of other things. I don't know that I blame him though for the for the equaliser, but we'll, we'll come to that very, very soon. But I mean, it's 2-1 at half time. I was shocked. I knew that Dallas were going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at the Whitecaps in the second half, and they certainly did. So much pressure from Dallas in the second half. Max pulled off another couple of good saves. And the, the big thing for me, and I, I asked Mark about this and the, the players about this after the game as well, we put that pressure on ourselves by not getting the ball out of there, not attacking, not trying to get out of our half better, not playing long passes to kind of unleash wingers, just to take some of the pressure off the defence. It was like they were laying siege on that Whitecaps goal and you just needed someone in the midfield to take a bit of time in the ball, slow things down, keep some possession, knock it about, take some pressure off the defence, and it didn't happen. And that is something that is massively that needs to change from the Whitecaps because that's part of the reasons that they're giving a lot of these goals up. You're going to buckle at some point, and they ended up buckling in stoppage time, Steve. Yeah, and the thing is, is the substitutions, I obviously um, um, at the time I mentioned that I wasn't that into the Ranko coming on because... Mm. Um, uh, you, you don't want to put a center back um, in like in, late in the game because it kind of messes up with the whole back four. Um, I was always mentioning that should have probably put um, you going to put Jake in for sure and then move J- Javane Brown into the middle if you wanted to have an extra person. But well, we, tends, we found yeah. out we found out afterwards Javane yeah. Brown was injured, so that's fine. But I I agree with you. The when you they took off a midfielder, right? for a diver. And the thing is, that's where the cross came in from. You, when you're putting extra people, yeah, you're putting extra people in the box, but you're also taking somebody out from the outside areas or the, uh, the midfield area where that's where the cross is coming from. Why not put a, a, keep a player out there who can maybe potentially prevent the crosses from coming in. So you don't have to worry about them coming. So I don't know. I, I, I just don't feel like the Ranko substitution and had very much. Um, I, I think they could have gone a better way with that. Okay, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that, though, but when you're talking about the cross that led to the equalizing goal, weren't there, like, two players, like, in front of the guy who crossed the ball? Like, it, it wasn't it wasn't a normal cross with, like, or it wasn't a cross with tons of space. He sort of had to cut it back to get a little bit of space, and he it was just a high, hopeful ball. Like, yeah, it, it was, it's like a Hail Mary. 
at a yeah, management no, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not saying in particular to that cross. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying that you just, just keep in general, just yeah. in general keep a middlefield, uh, keep the players out in the same formation. I don't think it makes that much of a difference to have um, an extra player in the box defending if you have your, your everybody falling back because I, I just feel like uh, you you don't want somebody coming in. Uh, I think I think she, uh, Luna, um, what's the name? Oh, I'm drawing a blank here. They mentioned it on the broadcast that center back bringing a center back in is one of the toughest positions to sub in for because it's just about mm-hmm. chemistry and being in the right line and everything like that. So you really want to you want to really avoid bringing a center back in if you don't need to. Well, yeah, like when they when those subs came on, and I thought, well, it, it's sensible. It shores up the defense. It is risky though because it's late in the game. But I thought, you yeah, get another defender in there. But at the same time, you are telegraphing to Dallas, we're just happy to sit back at this point. Yeah. So they're like, well, we may as well just throw everyone forward and see what we can get. And I feel for Ranko. Like, we've talked about it. Him and Godoy seemed a great partnership, but because MDS is wanting a bit more experience in there, that's why Andy Rose is getting a lot of the, the, the starts. So Godoy gets on the pitch. And it was clearly down to communication or miscommunication because Andy said afterwards he went up for the ball, he thought he'd won it and headed it clear. He didn't know that Ranko was right behind him. And of course, the ball then, they basically connect and then the ball hits off Ranko's head. Great header. Like if he did that on the other end of the box, I'd be like, oh, well done. What a goal. And like Max did his best to get to it. And Max just looked like devastated when the goal went in. And afterwards, when he was like going off the pitch and chatting to the coach and stuff, yeah, it was it was a gut punch for them all. It was it was it was sad. I I don't blame Andy for that though. I, the only way I'd blame Andy is if he if he didn't say my ball or didn't say that he's got it or didn't do some kind of communication. You can't say my ball or I I got it. Just so you know, Michael. The thing is that that's where the extra center back in the in the pitch makes a difference because that maybe that's where Rose was normally be, mm-hmm. uh, but because Ranko's there, that the 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 they were too crowded. Yeah, yeah, the spacing changes and everything, and that's why they collided. Maybe have like Ranko sitting up a little bit uh, like above them or something like that, and not in the same line or something like that. I don't know. I just Ranko's feel like a, Ranko's a centre back that likes to attack the balls into the box for one thing. So um, yeah, he's or maybe maybe move Rose into a holding midfielder position, move him a little bit up the pitch. Yeah. Uh, or something like that. But I, I just feel like that's the reason why that they just the spacing was messed up. Hmm. I, I yeah, I agree I agree with you that it also like it it feels like maybe they don't obviously train with that that, that kind of setup very often in training. And so maybe that's something that they 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 could choose to work on, but um, but for me, like nine out of ten times, that doesn't happen. Like uh, it, it would probably would not be that yeah. big. Like we're picking on it right now because that it caused an own goal. But nine out of ten times, I don't think that occurs where the oh, yeah. where the two guys collide and they go in. Except for I felt like I felt like I felt like Michael. I felt like okay the. MDS is trying to kill the game. It's game management. He's trying to make all these subs that he can at the end. He's some of them. He's maybe saved for the end, anyways. And uh, and it invited doubt. Like it just it was like asking for more pressure, asking for for more. And and Dallas gave it to them. I, like I, Dallas I, received the invitation. Yeah, I I totally understand doing that in stoppage time. 
and I'll, I'll save something else to have to play a little bit from Mark. In fact, let's just get to that now. I mean, Dallas could have won it, and I, I had this horrible feeling they were going to. And the mood of the fan base, it was 2-1 up, and it was quite a, a good mood for Whitecaps fan base online. But when that goal went in and the nature of it, and because of MDS's substitutions, I knew what the mood was going to be like post-game, and it certainly is. But let's just hear a little bit from Mark DeSantis now after the match, just talking about that that gut punch and just tough run that they're on just now. Here's MDS. When we had the ball and we were able to, to have possession, um, we would lose the ball very quickly. So there was a, a pressure from Dallas in the 20 minutes um, that were the first 25, 20 minutes that was difficult for us. I think after the 25th minute mark in the first half we started to grow a lot um our possession helped us control more uh, the tempo of the game uh, we pushed we tied we turned it to 2-1 um at halftime one of the things we spoke about was our midfield was uh, staying a little bit too deep so a lot of spaces um there was a spacing between Cava and the three midfielders where they some of their players like Acosta um, came in those pockets and were able to switch the play too much. So we were backing off too much. I think we had a very difficult second half. Uh, we we were a lot under pressure. It was hard for us. And then um, and then in in injury time again, um, you know, it's it's very hard to explain. I think it's. It's us having the ability just to make the place. Uh, it was a very unlucky ball, uh, unlucky goal that we we dealt with, and it's just frustrating that the opponent doesn't have to to work the goal uh, that that gives them the two two. It's just the ball that is played in the box, and I think Andy backs off on Ranko, or there's a there's a knock. I didn't. I just saw the goal uh, live. And then, uh, and he's not able to get the good angle to clear it. Uh, it's an, an unlucky play. But then we have to be able uh, in injury time to manage uh, the game better. Uh, there's, uh, there's this last ball that we play directly to them that leads to a counterattack and very close uh, to, to make the 3-2 for them. So look, we're... we're we're a team that is able right now to deal with the 90 minutes, uh, but it's not able right now to deal with the injury time, and we're going to have to find solutions for that. The, the second half in particular, you touched on it there, it just felt you just couldn't get out of your own half and just couldn't generate chances to get the third goal that would probably have been key in this. What would he put that down to? We had, Michael, when we were here at halftime, we had a strong belief that we would score the third goal uh, we felt good about ourselves because of the last 22, 23 minutes of the first half. And we thought, you know, it's 2-1 now. We were able to turn it around. But then in the second half, we were just not able to find the right lines of passing, to keep our possession, to keep composure in possession, being able to, to, to stretch them in behind because that was our success in the first half. As soon as we started to play balls, and behind uh, the back line, we were able to to find solutions, um, and we were able to 
to find situations where we we were dangerous and that stopped in the second half uh we were a lot under pressure uh, our midfield wasn't able to step to support what Cava was doing in the first line of pressure uh, we were backing off uh, it was hard and I have to review the game and even look at some physical components that we have to be a team that is able to sustain this pressure and we weren't able to come out we weren't able to come out and then when you're not able to come out you have to make sure that when you have the ball you you keep it for a very good portion of time and we were not able to do that um that's why our unsuccess in the second half and then what Dallas had was volume on us uh, and when there's a volume of crosses when there's a volume that we back off when there's eight minutes of injury time also right we we played in the last two games 15 minutes of injury time in the second half is it's a lot so we have to see why you know or are we staying on the ground too much is the the ref um seeing something that we have to 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 review and then we know that when the clock shows 88 minutes there's still a a lot of to uh, of play uh in front of us so look i i'm disappointing for the guys because i feel the group mentally has such a strong reaction and we go to Seattle, get a good result. We're down 1-0 here and we turn it to 2-1 in their stadium with their fans. And we just need to grow and make the plays that allow us to get the, the full three points. Yeah, I, I don't know where those eight minutes came from. I, I won't use the words I used watching at home. I'm pretty sure you used the same words uh, on the sidelines. I guess it's easy to focus on the negatives when you've given up a stoppage time goal. But going into this, you, I'm sure you'd have taken a point because it, it was a, a Dallas team that's not lost at home. Michael, when you're in the situation that we are, and Dallas never lost home this season, and it's a team that in their history uh, against the Whitecaps, they're successful uh, in Dallas. Uh, before the game, yes, you say one point is good. But then after the game, you're, you're very disappointed. I have a locker room that is disappointed on the result. And that's very positive for me. That's one of the positive things. Um, and again, we went to Seattle 2-2. We went to, to Dallas 2-2. And now we're playing, if you want to call it home, against Salt Lake. It won't be home, but it's a home game. Um, we have to try to get points again. So we have to... I have to figure out a way uh, with the group and talking with the group, but it's hard to explain the type of plays that happen that allowed them to, to score. If you look at the, the throw-in goal that uh, Salt Lake gets and it hits the back of the head of Volt and then that super shot of Alvarez against us in injury time and then now a home goal, very unlucky because... And he was was doing a very good game, and it's an unlucky play. You, it, it's hard for you to work these situations in training session. The, they, they, you have to find a way. The, the, what we had to do is uh, keep playing uh, in the second half like we did at the end of the first half, and that would allow us to get out of a so tight game. Because in MLS, when games are two one one zero, you guys have seen this thousands of hundreds of games that there's always things happening in those those injury times with a lot of teams i, I was just going to say i just wanted to finish on a, a positive of saying 
Two games now, though, that you have fought back from going behind. So many Vancouver teams in the past, it's felt heads have gone down. This squad doesn't seem to have that. No, and we went to Seattle with a lot of personality after five five losses in a row. And some teams in MLS, when they lose five or four games in a row, they they it, it seems like they kind of give up. We never did that. Uh, our answer in Seattle, we were down one nothing. We did two one. Uh, then we were down in um, here in Dallas. We turned it two one. The mindset of the guys in training. The mindset of the guys uh, in games is very, very good. Now we have to figure out, you know, we have a problem and we have a little bit of a, I, I told you guys, I, I lived a situation like that before uh, with a former club. Right now there's a, a ghost and a doubt in injury time that we have to fight and find a solution to to um, to beat it. And that's a discussion that we're going to have with uh, with the team for sure tomorrow. Um, starting tomorrow. He's the gaffer. You can try it up with him. He's the gaffer. Even when he's on a limb. He's the gaffer. When his back's against the wall. Has the answer to it all. He's the gaffer. So the gaffer, Mark DeSantis there, just... It's hard to to ask a coach and players after a game like that, right immediately after it, to try and do a, an analysis. I've talked about this before. I don't often like going on a lot of the ones after the defeat to try and break things down that they haven't had a chance to, to look at, and especially something that's emotionally draining like that. But an interesting thing that, that Mark said there was, when I asked him about, look, this is a team that feels like they can't ease the pressure on the defence because they can't get attacked, they're getting penned in. And he said that's not how he's asked them to play. He has He's basically wanting them to keep attacking, push forward, get that killer third goal. But either they've not been capable of doing that or they're just too in their shell of we have to just see this out now. I don't know what it is. And if the coach is telling you to do it and you're not doing it, where does the fault lie there? I, I just feel like it's 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 just uh, it's human nature that when you're defending that that you know one goal lead and you're you're desperate to get that three points after going winless in so many games that you are going to tighten up and it's just a matter of getting over that hump at one point or another and and figuring out that you could just like persevere yeah it would have been nice especially coming out of the uh, the halftime if they could have got that third goal that would have been huge. Because uh, that would have put a little bit of pressure off, but uh, the the further and further it goes, the harder it is to get that third goal. I, I agree with what MDS said in terms of it's hard to train and replicate the the, the circumstances that you experience at the end of a game like that, mm. um, because nothing can you know really to take well, the yeah. place. Plus the, the the weather conditions as well, because yeah, they totally. looked they looked. Soaked through their shirts after about 10 15 minutes, never mind anything else. They looked exhausted by the yeah, end. Yeah, and there was and there was an actual crowd in Dallas trying yeah. to support their team. So you can't replicate all those things in training and it's hard to work on. But uh yeah, it's the kind of thing where they just they need to I think there's there's maybe it's too early to say there feels like a bit of a mental block, but it feels like they're going into extra time expecting to concede mm -hmm. a little bit. Or stoppage, as Mark, stoppage time, not extra stoppage time. time. Yes, I'm sorry. Stoppage time. Um, 
I use the but correct yeah. term in our, in our chat. But it feels like, yeah, the, the, they know that it's like they're the bogey situation. They know that there's ghosts there for them. Yes. And they, they can't do anything to escape it. And so but, but if anyone didn't hear stuff before, Mark had talked about uh, Montreal Impact, Santos Laguna. Right. And the big comeback that Santos Laguna had against the Impact in the, the Champions League. And, how it and he said, them. yeah, it affected them for months after that. And every time it went into stoppage time with the lead, to quote Mark, they were shitting their pants. And that is, that's the title of our episode. And that is basically how it feels in stoppage time. Everyone just now is feeling that. And you thought, oh, maybe Seattle's got them over that. This has now set them back again. Yeah, it feels like a setback. I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was you, Michael, or someone else who asked about can 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 they take a different approach as opposed to sitting back? Can they? Yeah, someone else they, asked that. It's like basically play more on the counter yeah. or play a little bit more because I mean, when we were testing, that's what you need to do. Yeah, when we were messaging at the end of the game, I, part of me really thought, okay, Dallas is gonna go for the win because they're at home and they you know they want to beat Vancouver. I was like a little bit like there's going to be a at least a little opening of the door here. Yeah, for you've got a Ryan Raposo that's got speed to burn. Just get the ball forward to him to run onto something. I know it's an old-fashioned way of looking at it. It's an old cliche, but I am firmly in that the best form of defense is attack. You get the ball out of there at the other end of the pitch, and you're going to save all that that damage. The the other question. To, to put to you guys, which Mark raised it, and then I asked Andy Rose about it as well, was, so there was seven minutes of stoppage time against Seattle, eight minutes of stoppage time tonight against Dallas. And when that board went up for eight minutes, I was like, WTF, where did those eight minutes come from? And it's like some Mark said they need to address it. They need to look at, where those eight minutes are coming from? Are players spending too much time on the ground? Are they like time wasting too much? Injuries, all that kind of stuff. And try and nip that in the bud. Because if you're a team that gives up goals in stoppage time and the board goes up for two or three minutes, eh, you can see that out. As soon as it gets to five or more, you are going to be shitting your pants because you're going to be like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, and it gives the opposition team that you know exactly that that you know fuel or whatever to get to know that they have still eight minutes or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, Otherwise, they, all these teams will be licking their chops now. They'll be like, "Here we go. We still we can still do this." Yeah, exactly. And if they if if they don't like, I I feel like that the the Whitecaps waste a little bit too much time. I don't know if it's purposeful. If they're if they do definitely have cramps or whatever like that, and they need work, but they they there's just too much time. On the clock, at, at, and it always happens. Seems and I and I jokingly blame. You know, there's a phone call coming from MLS, making <laughs> sure that there's enough time for the Whitecaps to get defeated. But it, it it just seems like it's always the Whitecaps, and they do. I've noticed that they do sit on the ground a little bit too much. Yeah, um, they'll, a little bit of a touch, and they'll go to ground, and they'll. And it seems like maybe maybe if the uh, fourth official, whoever runs the time, feels like it's being fake, they'll let the that extra clock go a little bit longer. Give them an extra ten seconds if they feel like it's being faked, in addition to the time being wasted. So I don't know. It's just weird to me that mm. it's always the Whitecaps that get these eight minutes. I mean, it, it is a fine line, Zach, between game management, seeing the game out, doing the little things you need to do, 
and like sitting down, faking an injury, having cramp or or whatever, taking too long in a throw in or a goal kick, and then the ref starting to add all that on. Eight minutes did seem excessive for tonight, though. Yeah, I was also a little bit wide the face. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember the we, in the past when we talk about old Whitecaps, we talk about Wesley Charles. Mm. In 75th minute, he would go down and he would stay down just because he wanted a, br- a breather, like every game. It was like his thing. Because I remember talking to him about it a few times. He's like, were you injured? He's like, no, 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 no. I just wanted a break. <laughs> I just wanted to breathe for a little bit. Um, but you're right. They, they do have to be careful of uh, – uh, they do have to evaluate and see if there's anything that they can do to maybe on their end to help eliminate that because we know MLS, has, MLS and MLS officials have been kind of um, against them in the past for some of their approaches or some of their behaviors mm-hmm. or whatever, and maybe, th- maybe it is something that they're being intentionally targeted for or the refs are keeping an extra tight rein on and, and making sure they add extra – um, there was lots of time-wasting comments I saw online today, but I thought that was just about the subs, but maybe it was about some of this other stuff as well. I mean, I didn't, I genuinely didn't notice it, but then I was kind of, I had part of an eye on that, I was doing my report, CPL was on, so th- there was a lot going on, so maybe I just didn't pick up some of it. One thing I didn't actually ask you guys about at- before, and it's kind of tied in a little bit with this, because the White Cats players... They, they, they look for free kicks a lot. And Caio Alexandra was looking for a free kick on that first Pepe goal. Open the goal, yeah. yeah. Didn't get it, which then let them go forward. So that's something else I think they need to watch back and try and be like, look, play to the whistle. If the referee hasn't called it, get back up. Don't start rolling about and staying down there. But I, I'll just play a little bit of audio from Andy Rose just now because I asked him after the game about... Being the guy on the pitch, did he notice that there was all these minutes accumulating and getting added on at the end of matches? So he, he had an interesting take on it. Here's what you had to see. The last few weeks, you know, I know Salt Lake was seven. I know Seattle, I think, was seven or eight. Obviously, today is is eight, and, and eight sounds like a lot. You don't see that a whole lot. But at the same time, our group uh, needs to understand that, you know, you, you can't always just... Like we had a couple, a couple cramps, um, which of course take take time and and stoppages of play. And there's there's every team has a little bit of an art form to that. But um, I do think at times we we toe the line with that. And 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 obviously, you know, there was um, there was there was a few of those in the second half that you know maybe maybe take a little bit too long and and entice the referee to go overboard with it. Um, of course, eight felt like a lot, you know, that, that is, that, that's a big number for stoppage time. Like I said, you don't see that whole, whole lot. I was probably expecting something like five, maybe six. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you have to deal with it and, and you have to be professional in those moments. And, um, you know, in these, in these little moments, man, we need, we need more guys to try to step up and make plays. So Andy Rose there just talking about the amount of stoppage time that is going up in Whitecaps games. They do need to iron that out. Of course, all these stoppage time woes started in the recent game against RSL. And of course, RSL are up next on Wednesday night. After that, there's a 10-day break. I think we all need another break and we've, we've just had one, crazily enough. But RSL, the away team, 
in their home stadium against the Whitecaps, the home team in RSL Stadium. I think they showed enough. We won't delve into a big preview, Steve, but I think they showed enough in that first game that they can get something from this. And there's actually going to be less fans in attendance than a normal RSL game. They are missing Cava. They are missing Max Cripple. I, I Right now, I take another draw. Uh, the thing is that they have... Um, they've done... Uh, I don't know if it's enough, but they they have anticipated Cava and Cripple going away. Because uh, they did sign Evan Newton in the offseason to make sure that they have extra goalkeepers. They brought in Brian White um, to make sure that they have that extra striker, MLS quality striker. So they do have the people that can that can do the job. It's just a matter of, of what how they react to this game. Um, can they put this game behind them in the short number of days and, and be able to uh, pull it through? Obviously, like... It's just a, and, and to see if they can pull, you know, pull a game and get the full three points. I think they are capable of getting three points if they really um, get past this game. But it is all depending on that. It, it really is because they, because Cav- Cavallini has like obviously scored today, but he hasn't been putting in that many goals in over the season. I think Crepo is the biggest loss right now at this point because we because Evan Newton is an unknown um, at the MLS level if they do decide to go for him instead of Hassel. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is is is, is uh, I was going to say Bush. Is Newton a guaranteed starter in this situation? No, I I, I have a feeling they will go with Hassel. Personally, oh, I, I would go with Newton. I thought everything is pointing towards uh, them going with Newton at this point. I thought that's what they were leaning towards. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I, it, it, that'll be interesting. But I, the, you, you said Steve and I and, – and, I would agree with you in general, but uh, it's it's a massive drop down. But I think one of the things we learned in a weird 2020 was Max Crepo, although I do think it was costly for the team in general, it actually brought about some of the brightest spots of the season um, last year with especially Hassal. Um, yeah. So it, I, I want, like I do think it'll be a negative for them, but it will be interesting to see if. Hassal or Newton can actually step up and um, steal them points or wins or games or, or whatever. In the, Maybe in the- this changes the mentality too because a lot of sports when the backup keepers yeah. in there, the, 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 the back line and the midfielders, they play more solid knowing that they have to protect that keeper. Yeah. So hopefully that brings a different mentality that, that you know, that's all. Maybe is not peppered with as many shots as Kripo is. Yeah, and on, on the other side, I feel maybe more pessimistic about, than you guys in terms of in terms of White replacing Cava. Is he capable of scoring a bunch of goals? Y- yes, I think so. But he's looked me, patchy so far. Yeah, and it'll it'll be and but his time is I think also been patchy. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting to see as he gets this run of games what, what what's going to happen. But I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it was a letdown. It's going to be interesting what other changes he makes as well because it's a short turnaround and a lot of the guys look quite dead in their feet tonight but there's not a lot of of folk to bring in. Maybe bring in Uwusu for the start in midfield because at least it's fresh legs in the middle of the park there. Uh, Kyle's still really getting up to, to fitness level so I mean you could maybe see him drop out but it's slim pickings for a maybe. lot of the rest of it. Maybe Baldi's a was a short term injury. They didn't want to take a mm. chance. Maybe he's a good to go Wednesday. Maybe it's not. If, that. if he is, I'd definitely put him straight back in. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm gonna go with one one. 
I'll go two one RSL. Oh, last time I said three one RSL and it was right, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, let's go. Let's double down. Three one RSL. Ooh. As we mentioned, though, it's going to be a big loss losing Kava and Kripo to these games. I'm going to just bring you a little bit of audio to close out this part from MDS. I asked them during the week, like, they, they basically dodged a bullet because there was 10 white caps on that provisional roster for, for the Gold Cup for Canada and Javain Brown on Jamaica's one of his own accord. And only two of them have been called up, which is Kava and Kripo. Both starters for the White Caps, though, and like across MLS, there the six other MLS players in Canada squad. The US have gone for a domestically heavy squad, so there's 19 MLS guys in the US squad, and all in, 57 players from 24 MLS clubs have been named into the various Gold Cup rosters, and. In amongst all these games, MLS is continuing. Yeah, the Whitecaps have a 10-day break, but if your teams go deep, you're not going to be back until the, the first week of, of August. Austin, Red Bulls and RSL are the only teams that haven't had players called up, and Austin and, and RSL are teams that the Whitecaps will play in this spell when they're missing Cava and, and Cripo. I mean, it's not ideal, obviously, but... Here's what MLS had. Here's what MDS had to say about it. He's he's picked his words very carefully, uh, as you will hear here. You're losing Kava and Max to to Canada. I I know you want your guys to go and represent their country, but is there also a sense of relief that it's just the two guys you're you're losing for a really hectic July schedule? I want to be careful with this so I don't get fined uh, because I'm. I'm a little bit too honest with things sometimes, uh, but I don't want to change at the same time. It's who I am. I, it, 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 it bothers me. And I call it a little bit something that I can't say, but you know what I'm calling the situation when you play during a competition that is international competition. I, I know it's North America. I know it's MLS. Um, I know it's hard to do a schedule that pleases everybody. But it's not good. It's not good. It's not good for the clubs. It's not good for the show. MLS games, Every each one of your players should be available if it's not for injury or if it's not for suspension. Um, to lose players because your national team is playing while you're playing a club uh, at the club level, I think it's uh, it, we we have to get to the next level as a continent and uh, as a league. Concacaf has to get to the next level to try to to organize things in a in a in a different way. I have a, an opinion on, th- on that, a big opinion that I don't want to share right now, but maybe one day I could talk to you about it and and tell you what what's my opinion on it or how I would see it. Uh, but I want to be careful. That's what I have to say on Max and Kava leaving. I know it happens with other teams, but it shouldn't happen with other teams either. Every team should have all their players available to play. Um, and that part I'm disappointed. But at the same time, it opens the, the door for other players, uh, opportunity for other players to answer 
uh, other players to get in and, and show what they could do to help the team. And um, that's how I see it. So MDS not wanting to get fined by by saying stuff about MLS. We'll say it for him. It's ridiculous that this is your major tournament on the continent and you're continuing the league as normal for a big chunk of the, the time that the tournament's on. It's not ideal. They really need to kind of sort this out. I know it's going to mean more midweek games later on and the, the clubs lose money in that, but you, you want to have the best spectacle on the pitch for MLS fans watching at home, in the stadiums, whatever. And if you're losing a lot of your talent in these games, it, it, it's going to water it down a bit. Yeah, I read your article, Michael, and I, I agree. I agree with MDS on this. We've talked about this over the years. This is something that they choose to not figure out, and it doesn't feel that hard. Now, I know this year was a – they started late, right? Like it was a – Yeah. So that, that obviously impacts it. Yeah. But um, – So, yeah, I mean, maybe they would have had a longer break. I somehow don't think so, but – yeah, uh, it it just doesn't it doesn't feel doesn't feel right. Like they should be stopping for international windows, and they should be stopping for uh, the continental championship that the of the region that they're in. Like it, yeah. Well, the thing is, the continental championship shouldn't be happening every like year or whatever it is doing right now. I don't like, obviously it didn't every year, but yeah, <laughs> if, obviously it didn't happen last year, but it should be every four years. Come yeah, on, I, I, is, I agree with that. I, I, don't, is, I don't disagree with you on that, Steve. Yeah, it's just stupid at this point. Like, there's so much gold cup you can play. Hmm. But, but when you be- and you're talking about water down. You're watering down the, your international, your your continental play when you're playing it every so often, and you're playing it in the same country every year too. Oh yeah, yeah. The, that's, that, a- that's a whole other argument because it's like apparently it's because the infrastructure and they generate so much money from expat fans in the US yeah. that they yeah. wouldn't be able to generate elsewhere. Yeah, it makes sense. I and I don't have a problem with that part, but the, the, the playing it every two years, I understand yeah. that it's a money maker. But you gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand what's best for the game sometimes too. And but then you also have the the US officials refusing Cuban players visas so they can't play in the tournament. So if you're going to be going to a country that's not going to give all these players visas, then that should be something that they look at as well. Yeah. And funnily enough. That does bring us nicely on to what's going to be in the next part of the show. Because visa issues have caused a lot of problems for one Whitecaps player this year. So much so that he's no longer a Whitecaps player. Yes, Ali Adnan has moved off from Vancouver. We're going to be chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Those people out of that claim I can 
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is the first song from our new Artist of the Month for July here at AFTN from Edinburgh, Scotland, Goodbye, Mr McKenzie. A band that started in the mid-80s, split up in the early 90s, reformed again in 2019 and they're back to touring. Went to see them a couple of times way back in the day, loved the band. That was a song from their debut album, Good Deeds and Dirty Rags. It was their biggest chart single. A song about a man that got by by using his sexual prowess. That was The Rattler. And Goodbye Mr McKenzie are a band that feature a couple of iconic Scottish musicians. Shirley Manson, she of garbage fame, started off in the band before finding the bright lights of Hollywood with garbage. The guitarist in the band is Big John Duncan. He's played with a number of Scottish bands over the years, probably most notable the the exploited punk favourites of mine. But he also had a spell as the fourth member of Nirvana. We're going to bring you a number of songs from Goodbye Mackenzie this month, including another one in tonight's episode. But for now, we're going to get back to the football chat. We're going to get back to talking Whitecaps. We've covered the game against Dallas. That, though, was not the big Whitecaps story this weekend. That broke on Saturday, right in the middle of the two Euros matches. The Whitecaps say that was purely coincidental. It was just the timing of it. They wanted to get things announced as soon as all the paperwork was completed and before Axel Schuster jumped on a flight to Dallas. And that big news, of course, is that designated player, Iraqi left-back Ali Adnan and the Whitecaps have mutually separated, come to an agreement to go their separate ways. Understandable in many ways, Ali has been stuck in Vancouver, unable to get a renewal of his US visa. We'll delve into some of the reasons behind that shortly. And when we had Axel Schuster on the show a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that if this was normal times, Ali would have been able to play all the home games in Vancouver, wouldn't have been able to play any away games in the US. The big problem, of course, is because they are now playing all their games down in the US because of the COVID restrictions, he can't play any games. So hasn't played for the Whitecaps in eight months, has not been able to train with the team, kick a ball in anger with the team, and it was getting a little bit soul-destroying for Ali. I'd asked MDS previously and Axel whether it was not going to be better for all parties just to, to agree to part ways. They'd said those talks had not happened, but it seems that Ali has been pushing for that. The club have granted him their release. I know there's a lot to talk about with this. There's the whole visa thing. There's the fact that the club have not got a transfer fee for one of their most marketable talents. At the same time, though, we had been told that his market value had dropped quite considerably because he's been unfit and not able to play. He's been away with the Iraqi team for their World Cup qualifiers. And I think basically the message from the Iraq, you need to get yourself playing. You need to get yourself away from Vancouver. And after just over two years with the club, 53 appearances across all competitions, three goals, 10 assists, Ali Adnan is a free agent. And I think there's going to be a a lot of clubs interested in him. He'll probably head back to Europe. I know there had been Turkish interest before. So we wish Ali all the best. 
But it's obviously not an ideal situation for the Whitecaps. They are now missing one of their key players, the man who has led in assists for the last two seasons for the club. We've spoken previously quite a lot really on the show about how much the Whitecaps are missing Ali's presence on that left side of the park, whether as a left back or playing left midfield with Christian Gutierrez behind him. It's a big blow to the Caps, frees up a designated player spot. They now have two to fill. Will that be happening soon? Why was this decision made to to let him go for nothing? Well, Axel Schuster jumped on a conference call with media on Saturday afternoon, just before boarding their flight to Dallas. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to get on the call. I was in the middle of getting my second vaccine dose. So the Whitecaps sent me the audio for it. We'll just play some selected snippets from it now. Here's Whitecaps CEO and Sporting Director Axel Schuster just talking about the departure of Ali Adnan. It started already, it started already, uh, I think a few weeks ago, Ali was gone for the national team duties and uh, I think it's a very unique situation and I don't know if something else like that ever happened before for, to a professional soccer player uh, to sign a contract and in the term of your contract um, to get denied uh, a necessary visa and work permit to play in the competition. Um, I think even without COVID, it would be a very special and unique situation. Um, I, I have seen that players got denied at the beginning of it, of a contract. And for that reason, the contract ban is not valid. That's a, that's a, that's also a, a, a way essential and important clause in our contract. But this was very unfortunate. I have, I have really to respect that. And I can only say thank you to Ali for all his patience throughout eight months now. He hasn't played one professional minute for this club since eight months. Not because he was not up for it, not because he has not shown up. He was there in time. He was in, with us in preseason in Vancouver. And uh, at the day we left to Salt Lake, we were all thinking that he will come next week. We, were, we, we have booked and, uh, and reserved a, a, booked, a charter plane for him coming in. Um, a few days after the team arrived in Salt Lake to, to make it happen and possible with all the restrictions of COVID that he can go with us to Chicago for the last exhibition game before the start, start of the season. So that says already a lot. So um, with all support from the league to Capitol Hill and everything, we have not been able to get him a visa into his passport until today. And I have to respect that, that this leads to a lot of frustration and to a situation where Ali was asking for that termination. And his market value and his career has stopped because of that. And um, so he wants, hopefully he hopes to get some advantage in this summer window at some point, but he is not even sure about that. And uh, he wants to stay in, in Iraq now and to continue to train there with a team to get in shape, back in shape and, and to be an option somewhere. But uh, yes, so I thought that we are not in position to not at least hear his, his wish and to start to th- think and work on, on a solution to solve that problem. And uh, the solution we, we came or we, we finally found the solution, uh, uh, I think two days ago, way late evening and we drafted everything yesterday. And so we are now in the position to announce it. 
I know this was puzzling, tiring, exhausting, whatever way you want to describe it, to try and find the solution. But was there not a way to see if there was a chance to recoup some of the costs and perhaps uh, a sale or, or a transfer to Ali somewhere where he would have better access to play to just recoup costs for the, for the team and set, your, set yourselves up better going into this uh, summer window? Yeah, and believe me, we have checked that as an agent uh, now. Our, the European season came to an end and the clubs are looking for clubs there. We were looking at solutions everywhere. Ali was very open to make things happen. But at the end, I can tell you, unfortunately, also with not playing for eight months and, and not being in a shape that is necessary to, to be attractive for teams, um, there was no market value left. Um, no club. Also, with, with COVID times, Ali is on a pretty good contract. I was on a pretty good contract here. Also, with that, um, there were not even a club. Uh, and, and his agent had really checked every single option. Um, there was not even a club that was up to, to cover close to the, to the salary cost he is on right or was on right here. So, that was a part of the frustration because. Uh, we thought about that since a while and we thought maybe we can even do a loan and let him play somewhere else until we get things sorted out. But uh, unfortunately, um, yeah, we haven't found any club that was interested in such a deal and was was open to to offer Ali any, anything that was at least attractive to him. Axel, I know that you have tried so hard to make this situation work and you, you, be, you began your statement by saying how unique it was when did you actually give up hope saying, you know what, no matter, you know, no matter what we do, this isn't going to be an attainable situation. I know, I know you mentioned two days ago, but maybe just describe your frustration and the difficulty of this whole situation, because it really is unheard of for us here. Yeah, I think we have never gave, given up. I thought I said that in an interview before, it's not about us giving up and not about us making a proposal to Ali. The only thing we could do is really to fight hard and to, to push, but there was not a lot we, we were allowed of possibilities to push. Um, the answer was always the same. It it's, it's, uh, has to get approved, and that got, gets approved uh, somewhere in the United States, and you cannot do anything. Um, so we have always tried, uh, but I got more and more the feeling that he's coming to a point where he said, I get tired of all of, all of that, and guys, my, and I think that the big turning point for Ali was as he arrived at the national team and this, his national team coach said, Ali, you're so far out of shape. That, that will take you a long time to get back. And uh, Ali told me, hey, Axel, even if we get the visa tomorrow, uh, that will still take me two months to, to be a player on an MLS pitch that, that the fans like me to play and don't think uh, yeah, Ali is, is, uh, is not really helpful right now because he's not in shape and nobody will blame him but, but yeah, he, I think he got the sense that that will not be over even at the point where he gets the visa into his passport and I think that was the, also a turning point he's out of the country and we also, we also have to know we also have to know that, that Ali was not only not in the US and was sitting in Vancouver he was most of the time also sitting in quarantines or lockdowns was not allowed by MLS protocols to train with somebody doing things on his own I, I understand that I, I, that you can get frustrated or even depressed, depressed by that uh, I understand his original visa uh, was not uh, for the entire duration of his contract. I'm wondering uh, how that came about, who signed that, and 
was there any reason that you were given why his visa was not renewed uh, this time around since he'd already had one? Yeah, definitely. That's the starting point. That's an unfortunate situation that he had not a visa for the whole term of the contract. Um, I was not at, at the club at that time. And so it's hard for me now to speak about it or to, to make assumption, evaluation or have an opinion why all of that things happened. We know all that Ali came first on a loan and the contract was prolonged after and uh, after the final, uh, after he was finally bought. Uh, but to be honest, um, I, I want to be always careful to, to, to speak openly about the process that was long before my time because I was not here. I haven't felt it. I was not the decision maker at that time. So please understand that if I agree that that's the unfortunate start all of that uh, but I don't want to comment more on that and and still there was no reason given as to why his visa was not uh, uh, obtained this time around no reason from the state, uh, state department never ever we got the reason it was always the answer was always the same um, there are new protocols there are new rules there the Biden administration changed things so we always got the official answers uh, that everyone would get, I think, in that same situation. And we always got also the, the same frustrating answer. There's nothing you can do. You have to wait till it's, it turns green in our system. And then you can bring the passport and put, and we will, we will have then, it still will cost two weeks to get the visa in, but we have never reached that point uh, in, in the right time. So Axel Schuster there, given some thoughts and some details into what has gone into Ali Adnan's release. So there's a lot to to unpack about from this whole situation. And let, let's be honest, it's a, a ridiculous situation. As Axel revealed there, Ali has asked for his release. We've talked about it. It does feel that it's best for all parties that, that this was, that they moved on. And the White Cats can get a new player in. Ali can get a new club. But it's not ideal, obviously, that he's going on a free. They're not getting any transfer fee. They're not recouping that. They are saving some of his salary. Everyone keeps saying his market value has dropped. And Axel said there that no clubs would pay anything for him or the clubs that did want to maybe pay something wouldn't pay Ali's wages that Ali was wanting. So his agent was saying, no, he's not moving there or, or whatever. I mean, I find it hard to, to believe that no club is wanting to pay for his services. But apart from the high salary, he's also apparently very, very out of shape just now, which is a, a whole other issue in itself. He hasn't been able to train properly. He's been in and out of quarantine. He hasn't been having competitive matches. He was training with the Whitecaps Academy at one point. But surely a bit of the onus is on a player to keep yourself, maybe not match fit, but to keep yourself in good enough shape so that you don't go to play for your country and your coach tells you you're going to need months to get back into the shape that you're going to need to be in. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, not a, that's not good from Ali. No, and and you should you should like obviously knowing that he where he was and not knowing he wasn't going to be playing. You're right. He should uh, match fitness is one thing, um, but 
being in proper fitness, you can easily be, you can easily train yeah. off the pitch and be able to uh, without knowing that you need a few games to get back into match fitness. Um, the thing is with like I can understand that no like the thing is with teams, especially with you know COVID, you know their uh, their revenue is not coming in. Wherever they can take advantage of a team, like they know Ali Adnan is not playing for the Whitecaps because of visa issues. That the mm-hmm. Vancouver Whitecaps are desperate to unload them right now, so they're not going to go in there with a bona fide offer. Oh, exactly. They'll use they'll use an excuse to say, "Oh, we don't want to pay his wages or something like this, or we don't pay that." It's 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 matter of you know they're going to do everything to take advantage of the situation the Whitecaps are in, and I like that. That's nothing the Whitecaps can do at that point, and they, this is probably had the only. This probably after all this time was the only option yeah. for them it, to like get him off the salary cap. It's not ideal, Zach, but it does feel the best thing just now, just to draw a line under this and move it on. Uh, I, I don't know if that I don't know if that's true. I mean, there's a few things. One, uh, first off, the older you get, the harder it is to stay in shape. Yeah. Um, but apparently, even if they'd come back to Vancouver, he was still going to be a couple of months before he'd even be able to play a game. He's that out of shape. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that that feels really hard to believe. But well, he was just playing for Iraq in World Cup qualifiers, so yeah. Yeah, that sounds like uh, some spin, but maybe it's the case. Um, I, is it is it really the the best thing? It feels like it feels like this. <laughs> Because here's the thing: if like tr- Toronto's going back to Ontario, right? We, we that's well, they the seem street. to think that they're going back for the seventeenth, but it's right. not been officially okayed yet. Right. Okay. So if 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 Vancouver's able to play in Vancouver from let's say August or September onward, why would you not keep him at least for your home your home matches? Yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Like, well, if he isn't fit enough to get on the pitch, I I, I guess the wages plays into it in part but Ali has been asking for his release so that he can move on so I think he's checked out now he's, he's in Iraq for the World Cup qualifiers and he hasn't come back he decided to stay in Iraq so I do wonder if him staying there has forced this situation yeah. he's obviously been say- asking for his release and the Whitecaps have said no so now this is to force their hand by staying in Iraq did you say he was with a club in Mexico is that where you... <laughs> he's going to appear tomorrow in the in the so, so Michael, how do you? Uh, oh, actually, this is a different circumstance, so I won't bring that up. Um, yeah, I mean, I I still don't know that. It still doesn't feel like the the best. Uh, like I think you, if if a if his value has dropped because he has been playing, I think you try and. I mean, yeah. If the player doesn't want to be here, that's one thing, I guess, right? But. It's it's essentially a no win situation by keeping him on. I I don't feel like there was anything going to be gained, especially if it was true that he was months away, and he and he didn't want to come back. Like if he's not going to come back to Canada or whatever, like at this point, there's no point in keeping him on the roster. It's just mm-hmm. a, it's just going to be something that's going to people are going to keep asking about it. When's he coming back? When's Every come single back? like but before yeah. we before we spoke to Mark on I think it was Thursday. Nathan's like, so just some housekeeping. We still don't know about Ali Adnan. <laughs> just before he got asked. I, I couldn't go on this- Axel's call, as I mentioned, because I, I I was busy on Saturday. So I, One of the questions I had was, why would you not try and get a loan deal? 
But then yeah. if he is so out of shape that no one would even take him on that, all yeah. I'm saying is East Fife need a left back just now. We would have taken him. How does he play on the national team and not be fit for not be fit? For yeah, it's. It's, like that doesn't add up. That, no. Again, that that's the, yeah. Something doesn't add up there for sure. But like, the thing is, I'm, he played uh, for the I, national team, right? He played. I'm in their pretty game. pretty sure he did. Yeah. Did yeah. he score a goal for them or something like that? He, had, uh, he definitely took a free kick. Yeah. Maybe they brought him on just for the free kick or something. So if you're fit enough to do that, surely you're fit enough to go alone. Because if you're not, if you go to the national team and you're not actually fit, then they don't play you. Yeah. The thing is, for me, this is a whole, all about the visa. Like, it's upsetting that, you know, they he, they weren't able to get him the visa. I'm so upset that I canceled my visa. I'm only going with MasterCard going forward. Um, right. Yeah, um, but overall, it's just like, like, why couldn't this visa get done? It's, it, like, I can understand if he was from North Korea or uh, Iran or something like that. Maybe there, Maybe those are reasons, but Iraq, like, I understand there is issues in Iraq, but they were basically, um, you know, America liberated them. So why can't why can't they come? Why is Iraq such a like a uh, negative connotation here? Well, or a negative country to come from. That was the thing. Cause, like one one thing which we talked about because Axel had mentioned it when I was chatting to him was that Ali's visa was not for the same length as his contract. And we were talk- talking about it. I was like, I never asked why that happened. I'll do it the next time. And then, of course, this has now happened. So there'd been a bit of speculation online ab- about that and Axel's comments. And Axel was asked, as you heard there, why was it no? And he didn't want to say too much because it had been done before his time here. It's been clarified by the Whitecaps now that someone from Iraq can only get a maximum of a 12 months visa. So that was why it didn't run the same length of time. Part one. Part two, the Whitecaps were then relocating to the US so they'd be living and working in the US as opposed to just coming and going and playing the odd game. So all the international players had to apply for new visas for this season, even if they had existing ones because they were going to be living there, they had to apply for new visas. Every single player was approved except for Ali and the Whitecaps couldn't get a, a, an answer as to why just it's being reviewed, it's still being reviewed yet we're still reviewing it and I mean it's easy to speculate and one of the things it's easy to speculate about is, I think it was 2019, Ali was back in Iraq in the off season he was pictured on the streets with his father and, and at various government anti-government protests and stuff I mean it's not too far a leap to think the US authorities have seen that and they either don't like that or maybe some of the folk that he's deemed to be associated with have kind of put him on some kind of blacklist. Yeah. Uh, the, the whole the whole visa thing, as, as I was talking about, on, we were talking about on, uh, you know, us and then I talked about a little bit online in the amazing, amazing place called Twitter, um, is I, I still don't understand why the Whitecaps wouldn't more clearly communicate about all this. When you're I think CEO... they didn't want to piss off, though, the the US government. That's the only thing I can think of that they thought, if they make a comment criticizing them, it's just going to be I, for them. I 100, I 100% agree with that. That that's If they didn't make a... They, if that's their reasoning for but not that, saying but, anything... But that's not, their that reason. Is, that, that's not the reason they've given. 
No, uh, I understand that, but you don't say that we're not saying anything because we don't want to piss off the U.S. government because that'll piss off the U.S. government. You do never want to and say anything that's going to piss them off because they will hold it against you. Like, believe me, going across the border. Oh yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't say anything to anybody. They can make a joke all they want about me or whatever they want. Um, I will laugh and giggle or whatever I need to do just to get yeah. over the border. I even wear white caps gear to go across the border to go to games. <laughs> I, but, I, I've had great conversations with the border guard. I recommend going through all no, the growth. They're, they're, no, they're I, I know. there. No, they, I, they chat I, with I, you. I, no, what I'm saying is I have I've had great like they're they're very friendly, a lot yeah. of them. Uh, it's just whenever you if you meet one that's having a bad day. Do not oh, yeah. antagonize them over what better. Okay, so, so but aside from the aside from maybe not wanting to upset the American authorities, I still think the Whitecaps needed to clearly communicate what was going on with the situation e- e- earlier, in my opinion, or at least when your CEO comes out and says, "Someone did this before I got here, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to put the. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to put this on someone else." Yeah, like yeah. to me, it left it, it, it. I mean, that only points to a couple people in the organization. And if it wasn't their fault, if it is just literally the process, when you let the guy go, you should clarify. And and so all I was trying to say on Twitter was they don't communicate very clearly, and then it leads to all kinds of speculation. It leads to all kinds of people assuming things because of their history, because of things we've known that they have done that. Oh have yeah, not been and it was great. only the speculation on Twitter that led to them then clarifying exactly. It. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they got they got, kind of, they got they got upset about the speculation. So then they clear then they or they got upset about the speculation, and then someone officially asked a media member finally officially asked, and then the the clarification come came. And so to me, it's like better, more clear communication up front would be would serve them far better, and would serve the community far far better. Like if when they released him, they said, by the way, Axel made some comments this week, just to clarify, this is the situation. Mm -hmm. Then everyone would be like, oh, this all makes so much sense. Okay, it's logical. But instead, everyone's like, what? They didn't apply for the length of the contract. Then it must be someone there who has made a mistake. Yeah, because that's how I took it from when Axel said it when we chatted a couple of weeks ago. Totally. But I mean, it's done now. So... It's it's not been an ideal situation all round. I'm just glad I'm just glad the Whitecaps didn't blame it on Kai Kamara or the click from years ago and, and blame it on them about the visa situation. I mean, I also said the club thought it was going to get sorted. They'd even booked a charter flight so that he would join up, just fly down himself, and then that that never happened. So I mean, they they were definitely getting the runaround. And it's like when you're dealing with government authorities that there is no way around it. From what I'm led to believe, the league did try to do stuff, but they their hands were tied as well. There was nothing they could do, which does raise a lot of questions as to exactly why they were reviewing it. But we we won't go into too much speculation. But there's clearly more if, more to it than them just yeah. being from Iraq. I mean, if only they played in a Canadian league. Maybe they asked for his birth certificate and then it just all... Got really complicated after that. <laughs> but it's all been a bit of a mess. Even more so, though, it's left a huge hole uh, in the team. Christian Gutierrez has done well at left-back. It's quite it's quite funny, though, that Ali Adnan's a left-back that we feel plays better in left midfield, but he wants to play left-back. But it's like, no, but you're much better here. But it's like, no, but I want to be left-back. 
and in the end he was left back in Vancouver for the for the whole year. Um, yeah, I mean, all, all joking aside, the other part of this, as we've talked about before, is this is like what virtually, roughly one eighth of your player wages. Yes, right. I mean, they're so already not... bottom of the plane wages. They're exactly. even lower now. So they were already like, bottom of the player wages, and now, and now, yeah, it, it, it frees it up, though, guys. They've got all this money to spend. The, 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 what you would call it? Uh, I remember, I remember you guys, uh, uh, the, uh, Michael. You were on about how much salary was left on the bench. Yes, uh, oh, yeah. a few years ago. Now it's how much salary was left in Vancouver. But Mark was even addressing that. He's like, he said several times recently. Yeah. I, I basically, he doesn't like the fact that they're paying a player to sit at home, and he's quite right. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. So I, well, I you're right. How much he it, was pushing for it as well, maybe. Well, if they could turn this around and get bring in additional, you know, players, obviously yeah. uh, a certain numbers will be come, hopefully comes in, but uh, other numbers <laughs> could come in and everything like that. Well, they don't the need pitch. a left back. That's the thing because they've got Gutierrez well, they, doing well and I, they've got Brown I, as backup. Yeah, I would still say bring in another left back based on the injury history this year. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. The other thing, though, is this hurts uh, this hurts them and hurts their model, right? Their model was to do with Al, uh, my perception of their model was to do with Ali what they did with in Bum Wong, which is pay a, a significant transfer fee, but then mm-hmm. sell, bring in the player for two, maybe three years, and then sell them on for more. So they've they've taken it like Kerfoot's taken a hit on this, yeah. right? He's taken a a two million dollar hit plus the wages. If you, if you want to look at it that if way. If someone had said to you a year ago, oh, yeah, they're going to just let Ali go mutually terminated, you'd be like, no, don't, no situation's yeah. going to let him do that. Yeah. What a waste. But what, 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 was it, do we know, is it is it for sure he cost $2 million? I no. don't know. N- nothing's there's ever the, clarified. I, 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 don't, I personally don't think he cost two. I think it was I think it was probably half of that, if, if there was anything. I mean, it, it does I, free I, up two DP spots. So I think we can possibly make a big splash to get both the Messi's, the Argentina one and the Scottish one. It'd be terrible, though, if Messi starts complaining that he can't score because he's not getting service. But we'll see how that goes. But they, they need to act quick. They need to get players in. The transfer window opens up on the 7th. I keep going on. I want an experienced centre-back. But I think the pressing things now is... The number that shall not be named, the the Voldemort of numbers in the the Whitecaps team, and we need someone on the left midfield, left winger, just something out there. Yeah, I mean, Diber's great at times. He's just maybe not got that consistency quite yet. But we, well, we need just, to bolster the midfield. The midfield is just, where so many of our issues lie. Again, they just need to they just need to bring in a, an added player for competition as a backup to show that you know it's somebody that be competitive. That if Diver's not playing up to form, that they can take off. If Christian Gutierrez is not playing up to form, they he can take them off. They just need they just mm. need that additional player now. I thought it was interesting tonight, Zach. That again, I might just be reading too much into Mark's comments, but he said we need to make the moves that's going to make this team better. I read that in part as some folk are going to move on to free yeah, up we, spots for new guys coming in. Yeah, uh, that wouldn't be surprising. I mean, when you're when you've got three right backs, when you're bottom of your conference table, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's. I mean, that's another issue. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see P- possibly any, four because, like, Bikel did great last last week. I'd have him as a backup right back. I really like Javain Brown. So now you've got Jake Nerwinski, who's tradable, and Bruno Gaspar, who's injured but on loan. Maybe you just go, ah, let's just send him back. 
Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know if they'd just send him back. But yeah, I'm, I'm being a little bit yeah. facetious with but, that. No, but, but I, 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 I do I, like Gashbar. I, I, I hope he hangs around. I, I wouldn't have a problem keeping him and moving him to like uh, up the field, right wings mm. or something like that as yeah. a backup. So yeah, there there are definitely possibilities there. But but you're right though, Michael. They need to bring in multiple pieces in this window, and you just hope it doesn't turn into the whole drive-through scene again. Well, yeah. See, they don't like bringing players in during the summer. That is one of the things, and they've said that before. And I don't know. They, we've said this so many times. This is a big transfer window coming up for the Whitecaps. Whether it's stop gaps, whether it's fully plugged or whatever, there needs to be new blood in. They've got one more game, then there's a 10-day break. I want to see new faces in this squad by the time they take the pitch again on the 17th. Well, Michael, they have to bring in players in this window. They have to, I feel. But yeah. I thought they I had to bring in a number 10 in the, in the preseason. Yeah. No, I, I, they, if they don't, like, essentially, uh, there's going to be a lot of questions being asked if they don't bring in I, uh, enough players. In I, it's t- like, our patience is tested watching this team, as all the supporters are. We continue to do it because we do our show. But, like, seriously, a transfer window with no additions, I'm close to checking out totally. The one, the one thing that no significant players in the transfer window will confirm is that they're not renewing MDS's MDS's contract. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's the, but the thing is, is the, like they've said before that they want to have one like way of playing. So it shouldn't it shouldn't even affect that at all. Yeah, MDS is going to play they're going to bring players in that can and eventually find a coach if they do get like go to MDS that can coach the same way and have the same system. So that, that, I don't know. That's just talk, Steve. That, that's yeah, that talk. Is, they they've said true, that for ten, 10 years. Very true. They, there's well, there is no Whitecaps way of playing. Yeah. Sometimes clubs do make coaching changes, and that is what we're going to be looking at next because we're going to have a review of MLS for the weekend. But that's going to be short in this next part because there is a big talking point that came out of this weekend. It was seven up for DC United in Washington. They've been drinking it all weekend, and it's cost Chris Armis's job. We'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kipo from the Vancouver Whitecaps, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, 
It's another song from our new Artist of the Month for July here at AFTN from 1989. The song named after the band Goodbye Mr McKenzie. And the big news this weekend in MLS is it's, it's not so much Goodbye Mr McKenzie as Goodbye Mr Armis because TFC have got rid of their head coach the head coach only appointed in, I think it was December, when Greg Vanny moved on to LA Galaxy. A horrendous start for Armis. Now, quick background for anyone that doesn't know. Chris Armis was in charge at New York Red Bulls, knows Ali Curtis. Ali Curtis brought him into Toronto. 11 games under his helm with TFC. One win. Eight defeats. Two draws, minus 14 goal difference. They're bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. They're three points adrift of Miami and Chicago. Fun fact, Toronto and Miami, two biggest spending teams in MLS. The two worst records in MLS right now. But they're also right now 11 points off the playoff places, which is incredible at, at, at the stage of the season. The big thing yesterday... Absolute hammering, 7-1 by, by DC United, and it could have been more. I had no sooner got my tweet out of, oh, what time is it? It's five past Bono, that the time I took to type that tweet out, DC had a goal disallowed and then got a sixth. That's how quick things were happening. I mean, I know Zach was watching a bit of the game. Steve, did you see any of the game? I saw, I saw, uh, because when I saw that score, I went immediately to watch, not watch the game, but watch the highlights. Oh, what I highlights that... package did you watch? Because I noticed there was a two-minute highlight package that I no, thought, I watched the that's going to be amazing to watch. That, I watched the extended one. Uh, like, the goals that were, like, that went in were comical. Some oh, of them, like, were just, the own goal was money. My, yeah, oh. some of them were like, so, like, it's just like, you feel bad for them, but then you realize it's Toronto and you don't, you stop feeling bad for them immediately. Armis said after the match, we were three goals down in 20 minutes and they'd only had two shots on target. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like, like, like his, his the, the one he did after the previous game, this one was a lot more of a breakdown. Um, it's just uh, I, like, it, it's fun to see a little bit because, <laughs> like we said, it is Toronto, but you do feel yeah. bad for them. But it was weird. I, uh, yeah. It was weird because I, I I watched the press conference of the pl- of Bradley after the game, and and they were like, "Do you guys back your coach?" And he's like, "Oh, hundred percent. Like we're with but him." They're always they're like, if, that, if a that, player sits at a post game press conference and goes, does, "No, no we don't. it's okay. like then like even in the Whitecaps darkest days of twenty eighteen, I want to say, when there was all that fallout afterwards at the press conferences, no one sat down. And was like, yeah, this is crap. Uh, we don't back Robo or anything like that at that point. So, yeah. he'd clearly lost the the locker room. And the commentators yesterday, I actually listened to a bit of it. I can't remember who was doing colour commentary, but he was pulling no punches. But De Guzman did go off on them after the game. Yeah, De Guzman and, did. And then he's, saying that he, he's the one that mentioned that they lost the locker room. There has to be changes immediately made. Yeah, on this oh, yeah. It, it was w- untenable after that. Zach. No, it, it was. Um, it shows you the strength of 
of Greg Vanny in in man managing, right? And how yes. he dealt with, dealt with those players because those it's not an easy group of players. Michael Bradley is not easy to deal with. Jose Altidore is definitely, definitely not easy to deal, deal with. with, right? These are strong personalities who want to see things done in a certain way, and Armis was not able to do that at all. I mean, you can um, you can't allow the kind of breakdown he had with Jose Altidore without like previously fully backing of like the board and the situation, right? Like I think when Martin, I know totally different circumstances, but Martin Rennie came to, to Vancouver. He was told ahead of time, we're getting rid of uh, Davide. We're getting rid of Eric. You can replace him with your own people. Right? So he knew and how he treated them and whatever he knew what they knew what they were doing. Um, aside from the, you know, the last minute notification of being traded, mm-hmm. like they knew what they were, he knew what was happening there. So I think he treated them in a certain way. But this is like I don't think there was I don't think there was any uh, you can't move Jose Josie you can't move him with his contract and stuff like he's not like so if he's not playing and he's fit he's not happy and if he's not happy he's causing you problems and you as a manager have to manage that you have to do something about that whether it's yeah. get him in the side that was, that's one of the hardest parts of management yeah what's Armis in charge of the Red Bulls when that one player walked off the pitch after being subbed off? Was he in charge oh, of them or was somebody... place? I think that was someone I... else. Wasn't it somebody else? I couldn't remember though. That was during it's... Robo's era, and I think yeah, and I, Ar- Armis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Armis But this is another another Canadian team where they absolutely and unequivocally did not get their first choice for coach. And no. it and it has not gone well for 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 Armis, in part because well, I think people just thought. Ali Curtis is bringing in his guy. And I, I, yeah. think, there, I think there was maybe, I don't know about the players so much, but definitely in the community, there was pushback against that. There was a dislike for that in the community. And I mean, even some of the people in their community who think it's smarter to hang on to a bad coach for a longer period of time to see if they can come good turned against him really quickly. And the thing is, talk about looking nervous. Ali Curtis looked very nervous at that press conference. Oh, he looked ashen. Uh, yeah. It's like, and the the very first question that was asked to them, which was about basically why, and then Bill Manning looks at Ali, and Ali looks at him, and Bill's like, hmm? and I was like, oh, I'll take it, and it's like, oh, it's just so awkward. It's just yeah. it's worth watching. Go to the TFC website. We'll play a little bit of the audio shortly, but it's worth seeing the video. But he looks the thing so is, comfortable. But Zach, you were mentioning that they lost. They didn't get their first choice. I don't like. Their second choice shouldn't be that much of a drop off. They should have like three, four options. I think and that's they didn't where their second I, choice either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who, whatever who the case is. Who was it that Dwayne Rollins confirmed or Army confirmed it was Vieira? Yeah. Vieira was one, but there was another one I think that he didn't get either. I can't remember who it was right now. The thing yeah, is, but they still, but they still, even your third, fourth, fifth option should be somebody that fits. The, the type of coach yeah, you want to get. but like they went for a guy that had some MLS experience, albeit a terrible mm-hmm. experience at, at New York Red Bulls and that Ali Curtis knew and could work with. And I was on his introductory press conference and I said to you in the show, I was very impressed by what he said. He mm. What he wanted to do at the club, his plans. That said, six months later, how you can take a team that was within one game of making, I think, the MLS Cup last year and within the MLS Cup the year before, that's got all those players. You've got really good homegrown talent and a good pipeline coming through. To ruin that 
in that short period of time. So you've got a team on the pitch that looks like they've got absolutely no idea how they're meant to play because he wanted a high press, which is like what MDS has wanted here. But they clearly did not have the players capable of performing and doing that. To, to be fair to Armis, I mean, there's a, a few things that went against him. I don't think the CONCACAF Champions League helped him mm. being in that. Uh, maybe uh, well, Some he, might argue. He won a, won a tie in that. That was his exactly. high point. Um, but not having Pozuelo was massive. Yeah. And then I think the... I think it, it didn't help him that uh, the Venezuelan came in so late either. Yes. I, I and then so went away late. and played a yeah, cup handful of minutes. So well, they yeah. were both on the bench yesterday. Well, it was like too late the... to bring them on by three down. Yeah, yeah but the players came late, but the the fact that he got hired late too, that was in December he got hired. Usually you want yeah. your coach in and by the end of the this the the start of the off season or whatever, and that was not enough yeah. time either. Yeah, unless it's an internal hire that knows everything, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that and that's where like Carl Robinson was not Vancouver's first choice for coach. They had multiple people turn yeah. them down, and and it worked out partly because Robbo knew the what players. was going on. He knew he knew yeah. he knew how things worked. He knew he knew what to, he knew an approach to take. Let's just play a little bit of audio now from Bill Manning and Ali Curtis, the head honchos at, at TFC. I won't play too much of this. You can find it all on the, the TFC website. But the first couple of questions in particular, just very interesting answers. Bill, Ali, six months ago when Chris was hired, there was much enthusiasm. He was described as the right fit to build upon the foundation that has been established at TFC. Clearly, these have been unusual times on and off the field. But what happened to break this marriage up? Listen, I'll chime in. Um, you know, it's been, you know, it's been a difficult 18 months and particularly it's been a difficult the last six months. Um, and as you referenced, Neil, since, you know, since Chris took over. Um, I would, you know, it's, it, it's been an unbelievable time having to move the team to Orlando um, and all the different variables that the club has um, had to manage through on the field and off the field. Um, with that being said, um, you know, the results drive our business uh, in, in so many ways. And uh, in this sense, um, our results weren't there and we, we felt we needed to go in a different direction. There's been some talk the last week or two that perhaps uh, Chris had lost his players. They, in some ways, they maybe stopped playing at 100% for him. Did you start to see some of that? And was that part of the reason why you pulled the trigger here? Look, I, I, I think, um, and I had this conversation with Ali last night, um, the way we have been losing, um, especially since returning from the three-week break, has been... Um, very difficult to watch. And when you, when you see a team concede like we did yesterday, uh, we just saw no way back um, outside of, you know, making the coaching change. And so whether it's losing the locker room, losing players, this and that, um, you know, I'll let, I'll let you all decide. But the, the decision we made is that um, we were not advancing with, with Chris as our head coach right now. And, and you know, I, I think I saw the term something had to give and, and we needed to make that decision. And, and we have to look forward um, because 
the results of late have been unacceptable and um, not good enough. And, and that is, uh, goes to, you know, every player and the coaching staff and the support staff and on up to us. Guys, and maybe this is more for Ali, you were the guys that were responsible for bringing in Chris. Uh, clearly a swing and a miss on that. Why should anyone, why should the, the players, why should the fans believe that you guys are the right guys to see this team forward and make the decision on who will be the next manager for this club? You know, I think that there is a collective responsibility that uh, we all must share. Um, with that being said, you know, I, I bear a lot of responsibility for the team's poor results. I think what's most important is that we, we have to look forward. We have to find a way and we have to find solutions. And, you know, with all decisions um, that we make um, for the club, within the club, um, that have impact outside of the club. We do it with a lot of hard work, um, a lot of analysis, a lot of collective opinions. Um, we make a decision and we move forward. And, um, you know, it's anticipated that those decisions work out the way that we project them to work out. Uh, uh, sometimes they don't, um, uh, but the work is always there. The analysis is there. Um, and the confidence is there as well. Confidence in our work ethic and our experience um, uh, and how we go about our, um, you know, our business. Um, this year has been a real challenge. It's been really, really difficult. Um, you know, Chris is, uh, is a good person. Um, he's a good coach, um, but the results drive our business uh, in so many ways, um, which um, drove this decision uh, in particular that you saw the result last night. So um, it's important that we assess where we are, where we're going um, and move forward in a positive way. Uh, you know, that's what our club demands. Uh, it's what our fans demand. It's what our city demands. And so, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're moving forward. Yeah. And Mike, you know, that's a, I think it's a very good question, very valid question. Um, this is my 16th season in Major League Soccer. Um, I've been to five MLS Cups. I've been to seven conference finals, 12 playoffs, missed the playoffs only three times. Um, you know, I've worked with four general managers, four head coaches. I know what a winning team looks like. I know what a championship team looks like. Um, as this season progressed, you could tell that this did not have the makings of a championship team and, and of a winning team uh, right now. And, you know, sometimes being a leader, you need to, you need to know when to make a change. And, and, and that's when this, you know, for me, especially after last night's, last night's game, um, it was clear as day that we needed to make this change. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, Chris Harmus is a very good man. Um, but, but we, we have to win. And, and our players, um, you know, are going to demand from us. Um, if they're not playing for Chris, they're going to demand for us, um, you know, everything we have to put them in the best environment to win. So um, this will be a step towards that. Um, and, and we will, um, again, um, compete for championships. Um, and that is, is what drives us every day. Um, but we had to challenge ourselves that this was not going in the right direction. We needed to make that change. And 
um, get it back to where some of my teams in the past have been, um, where you do compete for championships. Well, you talk about this being, you talk about wanting to win championships and you talk about knowing what championship teams look like. Given that there were no significant off-season additions and given that particularly at center back, there is serious work to be done. Do you guys believe you set Chris Armas up for success with this roster that you've constructed? Look, we had, we had nine players um, that were on the 2017 MLS Cup winning team. Uh, and then another nine players uh, that joined us in 2019 for the MLS Cup finalists, 18 players um, on our current roster. Uh, we have another nine players um, from our academy uh, who are homegrowns, came up through our system. Um, you know, the players that we added this year um, in Jefferson and Kamar, Dom Dwyer, uh, we thought would add a little punch. Um, some of them have come, come late. Um, and then, you know, you have Achara who was injured, who was draft pick last year. Um, so it is a team that knows what winning looks like. And, you know, when, when, when Chris took over, we, we felt that the, the changeover of the coaching staff, the performance staff, um, was a lot. Um, and to combine that with changing over a roster would also be a lot. And, um, you know, I think what happened here is uh, a system, a style of play that had been in place for a long time um, with, a, with a current roster uh, has had a very difficult time um, changing to, to a new coaching staff and a new style of play. And so um, obviously you can look back in hindsight, um, but we are expecting this roster um, to play better than they are. And so we're going to challenge whoever comes in um, to, 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 to provide that spark uh, for this group of players who, who do know what it takes uh, to win. Um, and so that's, that's kind of my take on it, Ali. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is it's, um, I think it's unfair to point at one uh, variable as um, the reason that we are where we are. Um, like most things, um, uh, it's there, it's, it's multidimensional and it's, it's usually a byproduct of a couple different things. Um, and so, um, you know, you look at, um, you, you can look at our roster. We can look at, um, the, the different, um, impact that COVID has had. Um, we haven't played one game in Canada. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we're in a results oriented business and, um, we have to find solutions, um, based on where we are in our environment and what we need to do and, um, what we have to set out to do. So, um, it's a difficult moment. Um, but you know, like Bill mentioned before, um, we have to move forward. We have to move forward. Um, uh, it's very important. Um, we feel uh, good about the, the tools and the players that we have. But at the end of the day, we have to take a hard look at ourselves in every facet of our club so that we can move forward in a positive way and so that we can achieve the goals that we set out for ourselves. So Bill Manning and Ali Curtis there. As I mentioned, they kind of they looked very ashen and almost in shock that they had to be sitting doing this. What I will say, though, is kudos to them for recognising that it wasn't working 
and pulling the, the plug early on it. I'm not someone that likes knee-jerk reactions. So a coach that's that short into his role, you have to give them time. And I know a lot of folk on Twitter have been like, well, TFC pulled the plug after 11 games, whereas we've been stuck with MDS for two and a half years, etc., etc. Mitigating circumstances, you can say, we'll get into all that at another time. In TFC's case, they've they've been winners the last few years. They've been a, they were a joke until Greg Vanny turned them around, which I think Greg Vanny needs a lot of respect for what he did there. And I said at the time, I feel he wasn't valued. And I think it's maybe because he's an American coach. I think a lot of the time they don't get the, the credit that they sometimes deserve for stuff that they achieve. But if you go into a club that's used to winning and you suddenly stink the bed, pressure's on right away. Go into a club like Vancouver where we've struggled and you're still struggling, you get given a little bit more time. Jim Curtin has been given tons of time at Philly and it's taken him a long time to turn things around. So knee-jerk reactions aren't always great. Alex Ferguson at Steve's Man United struggled at first before he hit his stride. The next appointment is massive for them because do they just write this season off and try and build something to hit the ground running next year? I think that might be the wise thing. Or do they try and turn this around by making a really good late run? I mean, can you think of anyone, Steve, that would be in the frame right off the top of your head for this? Because I genuinely don't. No, I don't have anybody. Like, like, like the one person you would expect to, uh, if he was available, like would be like a Bruce Arena type that could maybe turn it around. But or Bob I don't, Bradley, I, or yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't see anybody out there that would. I don't know if they want to take it or it's just a, so this might be an internal thing for now. I don't know who they hired interim, but it's going to take a while before they find the right person. What's Jason Christ doing? I know his stock is dramatically falling. I mean, you look around, if you want MLS experience, there's not a lot of people that, that would be in there running. Hey, maybe they bring Carl Robinson back, former TFC man. He might want to get out of Australia at the moment with the, the tough job he had. I, I'm partly kidding and partly now that I've said that, thinking, eh, that might make a little bit of sense. But no one springs out, which means they're probably going to want to make a big splash and go for an international manager. Frank De Boer is available. What about Joachim Lowe? He can pick his nose, he can pick his arse. Can he pick a TFC team to get up the table? That would be the question. But like genuinely, Zach, I don't see anyone that jumps out as an automatic candidate for this. No. Who, who They named an interim, right? As one of the assistants? or Probably. I haven't actually seen that, which is as bad as you looked that up. Um, we had talked in our show about wanting one of the bookies to come up with a, a list of what coach was going to be sacked next to kind of death watch. And one of our... our our betting buddies had come up with that and I think Armis was like fourth or fifth on that at like eight or nine to one and folk were like that might be quite a good bet we should put some money on that but it it is a big appointment for them they need to get this right and yeah we'll watch this space see what happens yeah yeah you you mentioned before the 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 coach for I think it's Hamilton now yeah yeah you mentioned him um but he's inexperienced. But he's I saw on Twitter. 
I saw on Twitter somebody mentioning Danny Dicchio. I don't know if you want to do that. I, I know he's. I think he scored oh, yeah, their that, first yeah, goal ever. Yeah. So um, that could be a assistant coach Javier Perez is taking the reins for Wednesday's oh. match. So that, that's what they're doing. But you're right, actually. Yeah, I mean, Bo- I mean, I, I know Forge people have been are afraid that they'll lose Bobby to TFC at some point, and this is a significant moment for them in that mm. worry. Um, and you're right, Danny Dicchio would be another person who he's worked lots with their academy players and stuff, and yeah. I, I think Terry he would, Dunfield's in with the academy guys as well. So yeah, but he's he doesn't he's have under fifteen, I think. But he doesn't have the like if if Danny Dicchio came in, I think the supporters would give him quite a considerably longer leash than they would give to Terry Dunfield. <laughs> Probably. Let's turn our attention to the best part of MLS now for the rest of this part, though the MLS West. I'm just going to rattle through these. I'm not doing a, a big Western review tonight because it's a it's a long show. But in the West, the action started on Thursday. Austin destroyed Portland 4-1. Very entertaining match. I love the stadium. I love the atmosphere in Austin. I, I love a lot of the things that they're doing. And they're playing very entertaining football. You like the lights when they show off the lights and they hold up the drums? Yeah, it's luminous. Oh. Yeah, those are pretty cool. It's, it's fantastic. i got to take a match in there. But having experienced 40 degree heat at the start of this week, <laughs> I'm not in any hurry to go and do that anytime soon, especially an August uh-huh. game that the Whitecaps have. Yeah, there. yeah, I go for a, well, it doesn't have to be the Whitecaps game. You could go for another different game. That way you'd, well, that's you'd true. Get an entertaining game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> go, go to a game you're going to be able to enjoy. Well, that's yeah, true. Exactly. But I mean, it, it looks fantastic. And Austin, Austin's doing really well. Saturday's action, Minnesota-San Jose, they played out a, another entertaining 2 all draw. Mm-hmm. Minnesota were the better side by far. San Jose started quicker. Cade Cowell, that we're talking about, got a goal. Minnesota fought back. And they're they're going to be kicking themselves at, at giving up a goal late on to, to drop two points as well. And the, the big thing after the match, I don't know if you saw, uh, one of the players, I think Lodson, Lodston, um, proposed Post. to his, his girlfriend on the pitch. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, just ring and everything. Which I thought, if they'd lost that game, it's a bit awkward if you then propose yeah. afterwards. Well, I think you may be delayed for the next game or something like that. Yeah, so a, a very bad day for a Dodston, I think it is. Uh, very bad day for him. Drops two points and is now got to get married. So, <laughs> poor oh guy. Got, got my sympathies there. Um, Houston, talking of dropping points, they dropped two points of their own. one all draw at home to Cincinnati, yeah. who were terrible in this game, but they opened yeah. the scoring. Both goals in the first five minutes, yeah. and then very little at all happened in the second half. Yeah. You know when you're watching this seven-minute YouTube highlights, and they're just showing aimless kicks that go out for corners or throw-ins, and you're like, yeah. all right, they're struggling for seven minutes of material here. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched the DAZN recap thing, and it was like, oh, I'm just going to go to the goal, the goals, and there was not much else in that game. Yeah. LAFC came away from Salt Lake with a 1-0 win over RSL. Only goal of the game came in the 69th minute. Nice. From Sifuentes. Yeah, it was a nice goal. Uh, nice back heel there. Yeah. Uh, back of the box. Three games on Sunday, including the Whitecaps. We'll move on from that one. We've talked enough about that. Colorado and Seattle. 1-0 draw. Seattle still unbeaten, but they're starting to drop points now. Their Alex goals. Roldan took the lead before half time, and then a horrible goal they gave up in the second half to Barrios. Yeah, but both goals the, were It was deflected. Good. Yeah. Both goals were not quality. Like, Colorado, that's a horrible goal to give up. And then 
yeah, I, to have Alex roll down, win that ball, and come in and beat you and score like that. Yeah, deflection or no deflection, that shouldn't happen. Then the last game of the weekend, just before we started recording this, LA Galaxy went down to Johnny Russell, Sporting Kansas City. I've trademarked that name. 2 0. Johnny gets the first goal, get a consolation second, well, not a consolation, they get a second late on in the game as well. 2 0 win. KC looked good in this one. And that was a win that has taken Sporting Kansas City to the top of the Western Conference. That, that game was I, in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I think you should rename Kansas City and just call him Johnny Kansas City. And not even... Russell just, Athletic. Just get, rid of, just, get, just get rid of the sporting and just change the, that name to something else in Kansas City. Um, the one game I want to mention from the East that I saw uh, and I recommend watching the highlights was uh, New England versus Columbus. Oh, Tayshawn Buchanan, man. I did watch the Buchan- highlights of that. Buchanan, a goal and set up the second. Yeah. And uh, the best part of the video, halfway through, they showed an exterior photo of the uh, new stadium mm. and it looked like the set of Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Oh, I look like a Mad Max exterior there. So, it, yeah. It, it does it's not... It's very barren. <laughs> it, it looks a great stadium from pitch level. You yeah. see how it all looks. The aerial shot is like, oh, my. Yeah. That's it looks like a dark roof, right? Yeah, the, the yeah. roof's horrible. The, the, the roof's horrible, but... It looks horrible. And the, the outskirts, it, as you said, looks very desolate. Yeah, desolate. And it looks like... like uh, like like abandoned cars and stuff like that. It looks very odd. Although, oh, got... what I remember of RSL Stadium from the one trip exactly, day, I, it's I, quite barren. No, Zach, RSL I, is, I, it's in Sandy. It's south of the city. That's Zach, I, I sent a picture of it in the WhatsApp. I don't know yeah, if you saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's, yeah. But I mean, a couple of cracking stadiums, a couple of cracking atmospheres. Columbus fought back in that one to, to get a point. But Taeyeon Buchanan, I, I, if they go to a three-man back and put Alfonso on one side and him on the other, on the right side, oh as, as the wing backs, that, that, it could be very exciting. It could be very dangerous. Oh, very much so. I, he's yeah. He's got a move coming to Europe sooner rather than later, you've got to think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's playing great. Yeah. So fun to watch. But th- th- those results, like in the West, as I said, KC out on top on goals four. Oh, actually, wins. It'll be the tiebreaker for Kansas City. 26 points to them, 26 to Seattle. Then you go down to LA Galaxy in 21, Colorado in 17, LAFC 15, Minnesota 15, Houston 15. That's the seven playoff spots. Then it's Portland, Salt Lake, Austin, San Jose, Dallas and Vancouver. We're six points off the playoff places. 0.82 points per game that we've got just now. It's a long road ahead, and this is a tough month coming up. I, yeah, I don't know that we turn this around without making some big additions pretty soon. In the East, New England still out on top. Then it's Orlando, Philly, Nashville, NYC, DC, and New York. Montreal in eighth as the best Canadian club. If that's how the Canadian Championship position is going to get decided maybe this year, it looks like it's going to be Montreal against maybe Valor FC as the the Canadian Premier League champions because they've had a great start to the season. Which brings me nicely to the next part of the show. We're going to be turning our attentions closer to home, into Canada, Canadian Premier League. We'll be back talking that after this. Hi, I'm Alan Koch and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month for June. I said I, we'd played all the songs from Moscow Death Brigade. I lied. There was another song I meant to bring you last month and I realised I didn't play it in our selections. It's from their latest album, 2020's Bad Accent Anthems. That was... Not football related, although the video does have a number of people wearing football shirts. Never walk alone. Of course, not the famous Jerry and the Pacemaker song that's been adopted by fans of Liverpool and Celtic. The whole premise of that being that with supporters in attendance, the players will never walk alone and you're lifting them on to victory. Hopefully we can get that back at the Whitecaps soon at BC Plays. Fans returning two games. The Canadian Premier League is going on at the moment. Right now, Sands fans. But as of next week, fans will be in attendance in the games that's at the kickoff event in Winnipeg. And the games have been coming thick and fast in Manitoba. There's games on Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday for the whole month of July, basically, before teams are going to be returning to their home markets. We brought you a little bit of CPL talk and flavour in last week's show, and that's my plan for the the coming weeks is we'll start off by talking Whitecaps, MLS, a little bit of international stuff with the Canadian national team, but we also want to bring you a good regular dose of Canadian Premier League chat as well got a few interviews that I've got lined up for the the coming weeks with a a number of well-kent faces from around the league. But it's it's been a very enjoyable start to the, the, the season so far. For anyone unaware, all eight teams are currently in a kind of bubble environment in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Each team will play eight games in that environment, all games getting played at Valor FC's home pitch. And the main bulk of the competition for these first eight games is teams from the East taking on the teams from the West. So there's four in the East, four in the West. The reason they're doing that is to cut down on future travel for the rest of the season. As I mentioned, the teams will be going back to their home markets and playing another 20 games and the playoffs after this kind of eight-game kickoff mini-tournament, if you want. All the points it's earned just now are going towards the final single league standings. So whereas a number of teams are treating this tournament as a kind of a a pre-season tournament, finding their feet, finding the best formations, tactics, lineups, who can play with who together, points are very important at, at this early stage. You'll hear me talking to a few of the coaches, although 
you can't earn a playoff spot in these eight games. You can't lose a playoff spot in these eight games. But you can most certainly put a good deal of distance between yourself and some of the other teams if you come away with six, seven, eight victories in your eight games, whatever you can get away with. And there's been a couple of teams that's been doing really well so far. And one of them are the hosts, Valor FC. Now, we didn't touch on Valor very much on last week's show, but they've kicked off their three games with three 2-0 victories, nine points in the bag, three clean sheets, three very solid and good performances as well from Rob Gale's men. They've seen off last year's defending champions Forge, Halifax Wanderers, and most recently on Saturday night, Atletico Ottawa. And this is certainly a very different looking Valor team than we've seen in the first two seasons of the league. So I got a chance to ask head coach Rob Gale a couple of questions after that victory over Ottawa on Saturday, just about the start to the season so far, getting these points on the board, and just what is so different between the squad this year and what we've seen in the first two seasons of the CPL. Here's Valor FC head coach Rob Gale. Hey Rob, how are you doing? Good, thank you Michael, how are you? Good, I've not had a chance to, to speak to you yet so far this season, but three three games, three wins, three clean sheets, no team's going to like clinch a playoff spot during this kickoff event, but you can certainly put a bit of distance between yourself and others. Talk a little bit about the importance of getting these points on the board early and just maybe what you've made of the team over these three games so far. Well, I think, well, you're never going to turn down points. And obviously, um, uh, we're delighted that we have got them so far. But it's three games into a 28-game season. It's not the Island Games. I wish it was. Um, We might make the playoffs. Um, But more for me today was about the process. I looked at the first two games. I thought we were very good. Structure, uh, good defensive shape, counter-attack the first game. I wasn't happy after the Halifax game, despite the result. I felt like we didn't execute well enough. Watched it back. We weren't as bad as I thought, to be honest. And uh, we still had a decent amount of ball and some of the principles were there. Today was about the next step in that process. Um, The ability to adapt uh, to the opposition and the shape. And it wasn't adapting to nullify them today. It was adapting to hurt them. Uh, And I was delighted with the boys uh, that they executed. It took us maybe six or seven minutes, maybe 10 to get going. And then from then on, up until you could see we were getting tired around the 70th minute mark, I thought we were tremendous. I mean, it's been three good performances all round. I'm sure you've answered this a few times already, but what what is better about this side this season than in years past? Um, look, it's, I, I just had a great conversation with Mister out in the hallway, and I've got an enormous amount of respect for them, their organisation, their parent organisation, and they're finding an identity. They're finding it. We're trying to establish and build off that extra season. He's had what nine games to 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 identify that, other than the preseason, right, and the work they've done there. You can see they're building it. So. When Tommy told me the first year, I think we, when we got thumped, I gave him a call and said, well done. And I'm like, how do you get the character? How long did it take you with the with the foothills and everything else? And he said, it takes, you know, three years. It's like building an organization. 
to get the right people around you, the quality of person in the room, the character, the people you can trust, the people. Like I said, uh, you've got to have the horses in your stable. You can come up with the greatest tactics in the world. If you haven't got the personnel and they can't execute the game plan, you're going to struggle. And I think over the first year, there was a few too many individuals. Uh, we fell short a little bit with injuries as well. And the squad depth second year, we got decimated by injuries. We weren't too far away. We had some very solid performances at the Island Games. Uh, like I said, other than two halves, probably first half against Pacific, first half of Cavalry, I felt we were going in the right direction. And, and this is just a process. We're three games in uh, after three weeks of preseason, four weeks maybe. I don't even know what date it is anymore. Um, but um, it, we've got to build off that. It's just early days. Everybody said it, you know, from Bobby, Tommy, everybody. This is building preseason. The structure was right today. The effort, I never questioned with these guys. That That is for sure. And obviously in the first year, we had to question it because you don't take a hide in on your own patch without questioning that. So you live, you learn, you try and get better, you try and do better, you work harder and you try and get the right people around you. And that, that's what all we're trying to do. And we've got a ton of, ton of work still to do. Thanks, Rob. I appreciate it. Valor FC head coach Rob Gale there. Very happy man. Very pleased for Rob. He's had a, a tough go of it in the, the first two seasons in Winnipeg with Valor. Not had it easy. Last season, just absolutely racked with injuries. The first season as well, a lot of injuries for, for that side, travel and everything as well. Looks like he's really got the team up and running early on. Those nine points from the first three games, very important to get on the board right now. And right in behind Valor at the moment are Cavalry FC. Our good friend Tommy Pilden Jr., Starting, as I'm sure he means to go on, an unbeaten start of the season for the Cavs. Seven points from their three games so far. They've started off with a, a couple of victories. Very impressive 2-1 win over York United in the season opener. Followed by an even more impressive 4-1 victory over Atletico Ottawa on Wednesday. And then Saturday evening, 0-0 draw with Halifax Wanderers. Cavalry certainly had their chances to come away with all three points in that game. Also want to give a special shout out in that one to a man we know very well here at AFTN, Marcello Polisi, making his CPL debut for Halifax Wanderers, played the full 90 minutes. Looking forward to seeing what the former Whitecap, SFU and TSS Rover can do with Halifax and in the CPL. It's long overdue him getting into this league with his brother Matteo, who's at Pacific FC, and I'm looking forward to, to following Marcella's progress this season. And we'll have a chat with him soon. But for this episode, we're kind of focusing on Cavalry. So I jumped on a couple of the post-game calls with Tommy Wielden Jr. After that win against Atletico on Wednesday night. And the draw with Halifax on Saturday. So let's just hear a little bit just now from Tommy. Just talking about building the squad for the season. And hitting the ground running. And getting these points on the board. Hey Tommy, how you doing? Yeah, good, Michael. How are you? Good. Long time no speak. As long as you don't mention England, I'll be totally fine chatting to you tonight. Yeah, only one that's taken some offers, mate. <laughs> um, t- two good performances in, in the book so far. This doesn't look like a team that's just two games in, into the season. What have you seen from the team so far that you've really, really Im- impressed you and liked? 
I think a lot of it was done with our off-season recruitment, to be honest, Mike. We, we had some holes to fill. Anytime you go into year three in a salary cap league, you've unfortunately got to make some changes. Um, a, because the players that were in originally, their values went up a lot more than what I signed them for. So in, in doing so, you know, the coaching staff, the management staff, we set about, you know, how do we want to play? What, what, what have we got coming through the, the ranks? Who have we got on the outside that's domestic? And then what foreign players can, can make a difference for us? Um, so we, I think we recruited well. And then in pre-season, everybody's had a different one. Uh, we've just tried to control what we can control and say, listen, this is our identity. How can we drip feed it in? Um, the two performances have got incrementally better. Um, and we just want to keep building on that because we weren't perfect tonight. We were good. Uh, but there's more to come from this group. This month, the, the games are coming thick and fast and it's like there's very little room for, for rest or anything like that. A lot of the coaches have talked about using this as like a pre-season tournament, but although you're not going to win a playoff spot in this tournament or lose one, you can certainly put a bit of distance between yourself and the other teams. Is that the kind of mindset that you've come into this with? Because I know you like to win everything that you're in. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, and then you've heard it from Mason, you know... Uh, uh, we have comp competitive games in, in training. Um, we're always trying to win, whether that's, it's at card games or, you know, ping pong or, or on the practice ground. So it's no different. Uh, as many points as we can bank, we've always said we'll, we'll bank them and we'll move back to Spruce Meadows in front of our fans. That's that's what we're trying to do because then that's the second stage of the, of this season. But, um, yeah, I can't be disappointed with, with, with seven points in three games. It's we're, we're going to keep managing minutes. We we had we had a strategy going into it. We're trying not to deviate from it. Um, we've got more players coming back as well as we knew we'd start to have niggles, which we picked up. You know, David Norman missed one today because he had a bit of a niggle. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll assess Sergio Camargo after this, and then uh, we'll, we'll just keep just keep building forward because I'd love to have built with the same team that played against uh, Atletico Ottawa, but we knew that we had to rotate. So. Um, yeah, it was a different problem today and one we came out with, um, with with some positives. Cheers, Tommy. Thanks, Michael. So Tommy Wielden Jr. there, very pleased with the Cavalry start to the season. I know he'd like nine points out of nine, but he's not going to sniff at getting seven out of nine. As I said for Rob Gale with Valor, the importance of getting these points on the board early is is massive, I feel, for teams just now. Gives you a little bit of breathing space, a little bit of wiggle room for later on the season, so you're not necessarily playing catch-up. And it's certainly been a, an interesting start to the campaign. Some teams that you thought might come out the the chopping board really well, such as Atletico Ottawa, who'd been away in Spain having training sessions, only have three points from their three games so far to show for it. And those three points came in last Saturday's season opener, a 1-0 win over Alan Koch's FC Edmonton. It was a late goal that got the three points for Ottawa in that one after Edmonton had done a stellar job really at holding them in bay and kind of looked a better team for, for a lot of that game. That was obviously heartbreaking for Alan Koch and his side. We had a, a good chat with Alan on the last show, episode 461. If you haven't heard that, check that out. Alan just talks about coming to Edmonton, building the squad and looking ahead to the season to come. So I was more than delighted on Thursday night when FC Edmonton got their first win in 623 days. 2-0 win over Forge. It was another solid defensive performance from the Eddies. Two late goals for them this time got victory on the board. Saria scored with three minutes to go and then Asua 
4 minutes into stoppage time, added the icing on the cake, came away with all three points in that one, and a very, very happy FC Edmonton camp. As I mentioned, it's their their first win in 623 days. That When you break it down like that, it just sounds crazy. Last season, during the Island Games, there was a lot to build on with the Eddies under Jeff Paulus. Spoke to Jeff about that. They had a good solid defence, but the problem had been they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And you were starting to wonder where the the goals were perhaps going to come from. Now, it may not totally be ironed out. One swallow doesn't make a summer. One win doesn't make a season either. But you saw what it meant to the Eddies players to, to get that three points. It's a really close team unity there. We spoke about it in last week's show with Pacific FC. Alan Koch has built that with, with Edmonton already. So I jumped on the post-game call with Alan on Thursday evening after that win over Forge just to hear about getting his first win in the CPL and what it meant to him and the team. Here's what he had to tell me. Hey Alan, congratulations on your your first CPL win. Thanks Michael, appreciate it. Uh, it was a, a very solid performance today, especially defensively. And then to after giving up the, the late goal in your first game to hit back with two late goals in this one, must do a lot for the, the team's confidence. What did you just make of the overall thoughts in the game? Yeah, our team needed that. Our club needed that. I thought we could have won on Saturday. We, we didn't, unfortunately. And to be honest, uh, tonight's game, we, we could have won and we could have lost it too at the same time. We played two very good teams and had two very tight games. Um, but thankfully for our players and our staff, uh, guys persevered. And we had some major contributions for guys that came off the bench. Uh, but tonight's victory, really, uh, to be quite frank, is it's for our entire club. It's for the supporters. It's for our owner. Uh, it's for our partners. It's for everybody. It's It's been two years since our club uh, has been able to celebrate a victory. Um, so tonight's a very special night. I hope everybody back home in Edmonton is enjoying it. Um, but from the team perspective, it's three points. We need three points. We're not going to get too carried away. We're not going to get too high with this win, just like we didn't get too low with the loss on Saturday. Now, after both goals, the, the celebrations, you kind of saw the, the team unity. When I spoke to you at the weekend, I, I never actually asked you about that, but it seems like a really good chemistry that you've got in the group already and that they're all playing for each other. Can you speak a little bit about that? 100%. It's a fantastic group to work with. These guys have all bought in uh, with the identity rolling out to them. Um, and obviously, they worked incredibly hard and said, when you lose, uh, it's only natural. I don't think anybody questioned it, but you that, that element of doubt goes into your head, obviously. Um, but it's uh, it's amazing to see them being able to celebrate a victory together. Uh, and hopefully that will galvanize the group even more uh, than we have already. It's a very tight group. They're willing to sacrifice for each other. And hopefully we can build on this victory tonight. But we stay true to what we're trying to do. Uh, tonight was an opportunity for players. We made six changes. I, I haven't seen all of my players play yet. So we haven't had a preseason. We haven't had any other games. So Saturday and tonight were opportunities for us to play as many guys as we can. And we're going to use all eight games here uh, as a pseudo preseason. Even though we're playing for three points, we need to give these players an opportunity to show what they can do. Because to be quite frank, I haven't seen everybody play yet. Uh, and I think that's the right thing to do. Thanks, Alan. And congrats again. Thank you. Appreciate it. FC Edmonton head coach, Alan Koch there. Delighted with that win over Forge. 
Uh, before I, I bring the guys in just to kind of get their thoughts on, on the start to the, the CPL season so far, I just want to touch on one of the really nice stories from the league that, that happened midweek. You, you probably won't have seen this unless you're avidly following the league on Twitter or in some of the, the blogs, but the, there's a pair of brothers in the league. William Akeel, who plays for Rob Gale's Valor FC, and Victor Latoury, who plays for Tommy Fielden Jr.'s Cavalry FC. Yes, they have different surnames, but they are brothers. It's a, apparently a South Sudanese thing. William and his family fled the, the Civil War in South Sudan, made home over in Canada. Victor Latoury was then born over here. The, the brothers have both come through the Calgary foothill system, so Tommy knows both these guys very, very well. Both of them now in the Canadian Premier League, on different sides, a little bit like the Polizzi brothers. But both Victor and William got their first professional goals on Wednesday night. William scored the second in the 89th minute for Valor against Halifax Wanderers, with Victor Latoury scoring the third goal for Cavalry in their 4-1 win over Atletico. I mean, the, the chances of both brothers getting the first pro goals on the same night it's a fantastic story. Didn't get a chance to, to speak to Rob about that after his side win on Wednesday. But I did ask a man that knows both brothers very well from their, their times at Foothills, Tommy Fielden Jr. Here's what he had to say about that special moment. I know you spoke a little bit about Victor after the, the first game, but getting his first professional goal tonight... What have you seen from this guy that, that made you want to bring him back into the team? And I, I wouldn't normally ask you about a, an opposition player, but obviously you've known William for for a long time as well. Both the guys getting their first professional goals tonight. I mean, what, what does that mean to them and their family? We're delighted for William. Um, they, those guys had, had a tough year, um, you know, sort of for some personal reasons, and they've just carried on with their game. Uh, Willie smashing, he got himself an education and he's in the league and he deserves to be. Uh, I was delighted for him. I just sent him a message actually to congratulate him. And a funny in the in the locker room before the game because I'd seen the the result. Um, I said to Victor, I said, "Your brother's popped one. As about you make it a special night for your family." And then he did. And uh, just it's goosebumps because he's a kid that you know I knew through Calgary Foothills and you know and Calgary Northside. He's a local lad. He's a terrific footballer. Um, and he's still got a lot to learn, lot to go. But he, he's he's given himself a good start uh, starting point. Tommy Fielden Jr. there, just chatting about the first professional goals and the rise into the CPL of the brothers Victor Latoury and William Akeel. Wish them both very well. It's a lovely story to, to follow. And when they play against each other, that'll be fantastic. But that's my roundup of a, a lot of the, the CPL stuff. Throw it over to you guys. Let's start with Zach. What have you made of the action so far? How much have you been enjoying it? Any uh, standout moments or players or teams for you? Yeah, no, I've been, I've been I've been watching it a bit. I haven't watched as much as I, I was telling you. I got to set like reminders for me to go on one soccer to watch it. There's a um, lot of games. Yeah, come thick and fast. E exactly, and a few of them I've been busy when they've been on. But no, um, I mean, I mean, the standout obviously is is Valor. You know, is Rob Gale and Valor. Um, I'm don't let me forget, Michael. When Valor loses their first match, I need to send Rob Gale a message because he says he only gets messages when they win. So when they lose, I'm going to be sending him a message, a nice message, a nice message. 
I haven't been listening to a lot of the studio stuff. What's the beef between Rob and One Soccer just now? Because there seems to be something going oh, on he, there. Yes, he said, uh, basically, he said after, I think I think it was the first, maybe the second game, he said, that someone I think asked him about the, the, the motivation of his side or whatever. He said, oh, One Soccer provides all the motivation we need. Oh, so they don't, they, they don't rate them or whatever. I think Andy Petrello had said something. Uh, maybe you know, like she doesn't rate Valor or so. I don't know. It's it's turning to it's it's, it's somebody's opinion. Like uh, these yeah. coaches get overly sensitive over this stuff. Like, what are we supposed to do? Rate everybody? And then what's the fun? What's the fun in there? Like, I can understand you using it as motivation, but stop making it your sole purpose in life or something like that. Well, but I, but, I, I don't know what Rob Gale said, so I don't know exactly. But maybe I'm giving him some now motivation. No, but to be fair to him, like they do, they do hype up the Ontario teams. Like you, of course, like, and that's like, a, that, what, what else is what else is new. Yeah, in any so, kind of sports media. So yeah, Forge has been uh, sorry, Forge. Forge has been great that they lost those first two games. I was really excited about that. Sad that they won their third. Their yeah, third got their first victory this season today. Yeah, um, I was uh, before Ballard, today. I was gonna say I was gonna say Pacific has played decent, uh, mm. but uh, one team that's actually I know they've only played a couple games, but FC Edmonton. Oh, actually, they, they played three. Yeah, FC Edmonton seems is definitely a different team from last year. Yes, uh, Alan's think, done well there. Yeah, they should yeah. have had a win tonight. They missed a penalty late on as well. Yes, on Garrow. Yeah, they could have had the. the they the should have won points. that game. That do you, do you see Fraser Ayers' goal? No, because yeah. I was watching the Whitecaps or something. I was on the Whitecaps post game. Something Caps anyway. Post-game. I missed it. Yeah, you were on the Whitecaps post game. You need to go back and watch it. I can't the watch camera- things and ask every single question in the post game. <laughs> the camera angles in the in that stadium are weird, as lots of people have commented on. So they're not great. Ingham, the keeper, who was like the man of the match, mm. um, or named, sorry, named man of the match, um, he got a hand to it and probably he'll feel bad he didn't do better. But like Aird picks it up at midfield, sp- sprints right through the middle about to the halfway between the top of the, the box and, and midfield and just smashes it into the top left corner. And it was really nice. But yeah, Ungaro's penalty miss or he had hit the post or whatever was not good. That was like bad. they needed. You needed he needed to have you know ice in his veins. He needed to finish that for for his team because I think they're the same as Pacific, right? Win, loss, draw. Yeah, like quite look at the standings. Valor first nine points from three games, undefeated. Cavalry second and seven. Eddie's are third. Yeah, undefeated as well. Eddie's are third on four points. Then Pacific and four, Forge and three, Ottawa and three. York and two, and Halifax at the bottom on one point. And we've got to say as well, um, we mentioned last week about Stephen Hart taking ill during the game last week. He has gone back to Halifax for some minor surgery, and he hopes to rejoin the team again at the end of the month. So wish him all the best and a speedy recovery. Hey, Steve, Steve, do you know... Yeah, I wish we all all wish him well. Steve, do you know why uh, Cavalry only uh, got a, a draw against the Wanderers? Oh, today? No, I no idea. Because Marco Carducci me. didn't start. Oh, there you go. Well, the, no goals were allowed, so I, I know. It was a nil-nil draw. It's like I know. <laughs> um, just one last thing you talked about, uh, Rob Gale. I think it was the last game on Saturday. I've talked about his beef with one soccer. Charlie O'Connor Clark from the CPL website said. So that the last two games you, you've won, but you've kind of ground out the results. Uh, just what, what do you think out. of that? I know. I, that's what Rob was like. It's like, ground out. 
You think that was ground out? I was like, you don't know ground beef. And then he just shook his head and he's like, okay, I, I, I'll respect your opinion that you think that was ground out. And I was like, oh. And even Charlie, because this camera was on, was kind of like, um. <laughs> Look, yeah, people, I mean, people have to, like, who nil wins? Like, how, like, you can't, you can't say ground out. I know. Yeah. That, I don't think that was a fair question. Maybe his response wasn't fair either, but it was not a, not I, a I just, I love going on these. Prickly Rob Gale is, is fun. But anyway, that's, a, that's our CPL chat for, for tonight. Lots of games coming up. There's more on Wednesday. There's more next weekend. There's some th- on Thursday as well. Thick and fast. When? When? How long? How? When does the, the time in um in Winnipeg end? They're there like, for four weeks. The I, I want to say it's the twenty sixth. It's the last game. Yeah. Or that might be when you go back. La, to the la, 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 last week of July. Yeah, basically. Mm. Okay. But from this week, they're going to have fans in attendance as well, in in limited numbers. So, so that's good. We could all hop in okay. a plane with my WestJet credits, maybe. Go and take in a game. We're, we're all fully vaccinated now. It's good to do. Well, maybe in two weeks once it all beds in. But there's still time for this week's wavelength. I missed it last week because the show was so long I didn't want to go over two and a half hours. I already feel I've gone over my two hour mark in this. I think we'll probably be two and a half. Watch me put it together and it's three. Anyway, for this song, it's more recent. We're going back to 2020. It's a London grime duo, AK and Police. And this is a song about what we all want, especially a homegrown one. Top striker. Striker in top form, feel sorry for your goalkeeper. Running it like midfielder, bros, they defend my team like sweeper. Kid, I'll take a bucket for the team, and trust me, ain't no cheater. Report to the dance floor when I score, what a screamer. Is that your girl, she a diva, turn your girl into my cheerleader. Supporters see me in the street and raise one hand up like it was Shira. It's Kung Fan coming through speaker, it's deeper, fill the arena. I'm way too much. I'm heavy like I weigh too much But I'm fit like I play too much Other strikers don't partake too much And what they gonna say to us But hold on, I don't wanna say too much It's me and my team at the top with a ball And we just play too touch I'm a grime MC Onside, not an offside MC In time you'll see I'm a top striker, top grime MC Northman wanna side with me But me and my team been climbing leads In time you'll see I'm a top striker, top grime MC Top striker Onside, never been an offsider Got skill, never been a one-timer Twist mine up like a sipping on cider Man, a major, not minor Captain of the bus, I'm a squad driver Got wiser, now I'm on a ball And I'm on a good roll Now my city looks brighter Shining, I'm an S-T-A-R Got drive like a C-A-R You don't want a B-A-R A-K, I raised the B-A-R You hit the post and a B-A-R I'm scoring my goals on a daily Love me, you hate me You're still gonna watch me back You could call me V-A-R I'm way too much 
I'm heavy like I weigh too much But I'm fit like I play too much Other strikers don't partake too much And what they're gonna say to us But hold on, I don't wanna say too much It's me and my team at the top with the ball And we just play too touch I'm a grime MC Onside, not an offside MC In time you'll see I'm a top striker, top grime MC No man wanna side with me But me and my team been climbing leagues In time you'll see I'm a top striker, top grime MC AK and Police there, top striker, our wavelength selection for tonight. That rounds it up. We've talked Whitecaps, MLS, CPL. Oh, the games are coming so much. We haven't talked about the Euros. We haven't talked about Copa. Haven't talked about my breaking news. The Whitecaps are going to put a, a young team in the Fraser Valley League for the coming season to give these guys some, some playing time. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Soon, Nick Dazovich will be coaching in the FVSL. Not sure folk had that on the bingo card for, for this year. But we'll maybe be back with a midweek show or early weekend show since we, we play against RSL and then it's a little bit of a break. But before we go, guys, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts? Anything that you learned tonight, Steve? Well, uh, you can catch me on Twitter on Whitecast Speed. Um, the one thing I want to mention is not only does Jesus deliver... Uh, nice cross into the box but he also delivers nice kicks to the face um uh, from basically copa oh oh yes that was horrific man yeah that there was a few red cards in, in those semi-finals or was it quarterfinals quarterfinals, quarterfinals. quarterfinals. The, the first two quarterfinals were amazing second two not so much but anyway zach what about you yeah you find me on twitter um at zachary am uh yeah the one thing i'll say just to follow up steve's comment is the one thing about having the euro and the cope up against each other is you see kind of where the football is at in on both continents Mm. and often when the copa comes up i'm always like i'm really excited to watch south american football but it uh, it's not as i I don't think european football is at its peak don't get me wrong but i think south american football is is not where it used to be yeah, I, I don't think it helped, though, that the group games four of the five went through and it was pretty obvious what four of the five in each group was going to go through. But even the but even the knockout games, or the quarterfinals that have happened, they've not, yeah. been, it's not been good football. No, it's not been I, good. I, the first two were entertaining. Oh, Just, uh, but it wasn't good. It wasn't great football, but there was lots of goals. Yeah. Yeah, and penalties and sending offs. And if you haven't seen it like catch up with the action because it, it has been good i think they do definitely miss the crowds for that tournament that's, that's true, yeah. something that that really brings it on but i'm michael mccall find me on twitter at aftn canada read all our stuff away from the numbers aftn.ca if you don't already subscribe to this podcast please do that if you don't already subscribe to our youtube channel please do that as well youtube.com backslash aftn canada i'm sure we'll get some more videos up soon But that is it for this episode. Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care. Let's all be Danish fans on Wednesday and mourn their caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
E F